Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Controversy, comedy, and that thug life. It's the Pantelis Podcast. Nobody realized how much time passed. It just goes sometimes like that. Okay. Yeah, so I'm happy to have you guys here. We got Paul Beluyet. Hello. Paul Ash. <laughs> it's Pauls. Keep it Too many Pauls. There's Ash and, and Beluyet. That's how we're going to call you guys. Yeah. There can only be one. The whole point of you guys being here is to fight it out. There can't, there can't be too many Pauls. <laughs> too many Pauls. That's our, that's our sitcom show. It actually, I, I didn't even too plan it for Pauls. it to be two Pauls yeah. at once. It's just with the scheduling, this is how it just turned out. Well, okay, he's handsome, and so that kind of really <laughs> he's, differentiates. He's bouncing out for the both of us. He's, he's bringing beauty to <laughs> yeah. the table. That's what he's doing. Guys, you're just making me blush. That's uh, <laughs> this what's happening here. We'll make you squeal later. It's all. <laughs> so you were doing, uh, what were you doing last night on CJAD? You have the Love Doctor. Uh, I, actually, I was yesterday morning, recorded it, um, and it's a solo in the city. It's uh, Cheryl Besner's the host. It's a relationship show about dating. Okay. And uh, she had seen The Love Doctor, uh, who's an alter ego of mine, uh, at the Comedy Nest. And uh, so she she wanted to get him on as a guest. And I did a, what, three, four weeks ago, I did the first guest spot uh, on that. And then she brought me in to co-host with her uh, for uh, the first show of, of this month. So. How did I get started? How did you go from doing your regular comedy as Paul Ash to then be like, fuck it, I have a character. I, I want to go into this. Uh, the Love Doctor, well, the thing is, uh, The Wiggle Room, I, I do a show every week. And about the, the third week of hosting it, uh, fourth week of hosting it, the uh, the owner of the club came up and said, hey, you did material that you did the first week that you hosted, and, and you can't. I, I don't want anyone repeating material here. Well, that's going to happen. Uh, yeah. As a stand-up, yeah. yeah. But then I, I created the idea of the Love Doctor where I'm just answering questions from the audience. And that's it. That's actually smart, though, right? Kind of a way to get around. It's quasi-improv. It's a little bit dirty because it's questions about love, sex, and relationships. And you add a little bit of charm of having an Irishman doing it. The very blue-collar man who's just spouting common sense and calling people fucking idiots. It's it's the proper way to do it. Do you, when you're in character, do you try the best you can to help them with answers that you think are, are real, or do you try to go a little bit ridiculous yeah, and make are you trying to be funny? Or you, yeah, or if I was trying to be funny, it wouldn't be popular. Uh, okay. As it, as it is, it's I try to give good common sense. Uh, occasionally, I'll get stupid questions. Uh, it happens. Which, which you know, people is oh, what is love, baby? Don't hurt me. Which is. Is probably the question I've received the most. Uh, and they're, they're stupid and they're just wasting time. It's like when you're doing crowd work and you ask a person a question and they, they you know, where are you from? Oh, I'm from Shangri-La. Yeah, they oh, say stupid you. things. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, Sorry. I swear a lot more as the love doctor. 
Uh, but you can. This is a you can say I, whatever I, the fuck you want. Really, I I, I understand. It's just it, it. I just caught myself doing it. That's the other thing is doing CJAD. I can't swear as yeah. the love doctor. So the, I, I gave the love doctor like some pretty strict corners. Right, uh, he's not heteronormative. Right, so it's all spectrums of sexuality is fine. Uh, he he's not uh, he's not uh, monogonormative. So if people want to date more than one person, as long as everyone is above board, they're fine. These are big words. Yeah. The huge words. Huge yeah. words. And I'm not a smart man. Uh, uh, but, but the love it, doctor it's, is. It's, it's all con- – <laughs> well, no, he's definitely the – do- The love doctor is a swearing smart man. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's more of a doc worker. Uh, last night, actually, I, I was drinking at the Aaron Society. So, um, the, is that the, the Aryan side? No, 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 just, I was drinking with the Aryans. Uh, yeah, I don't know how well they like me, um, the, but the Aryan Society, the E-R-I-N, so it's the Aryan Sports Society, it's the Irish Society of Montreal, the people who put together the St. Paddy's Day parade and, and such. Okay. Uh, and, uh, I mean, my heritage is a good chunk of Irish and so I, I had a, a couple people mentioned to me, you know, we're going to get you in. We're going to get you in. So uh, I'll see how that goes. They, they got to let you in with it through a blood test. How are they going to let you in? Uh, yeah, seriously, what do you have to what's do? What's the criteria? What's the criteria? Uh, apparently, uh, from what I figured out last night, is being able to drink. Oh. If you can keep up with them. And if you could cage fight too, you're set. <laughs> yeah, yeah you're in. Yeah, exactly. And maybe a bit of golfing. Uh, but but they, they're Terrible mainly a, a charity organization raising money for for sports. Okay, good. I uh, like that. So uh, it's it's neat. It's very Verdun and the Point and and Griffintown. That's kind of their purview. And uh, is it a big group? Or are they like a huge group of people? Uh, they I think they cap at eighty members. And right now it's it's the thing is there's a lot of older members who are. You can't come out anymore. And oh, so you're waiting for one of them to croak and take the spot? You want us to take know. care of those old fuckers? <laughs> they, like we they, they have, you have to be voted in. We'll so ice some stairs and we're done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and hope for the best. Just, uh, you know, some of these guys used to run with Whitey Bulger. And <laughs> oh, really? Whitey <laughs> oh, Bulger yeah. in Boston? Yeah. Like, oh, I know about uh, him. If you, have you read the... Uh, yeah, I don't know how much I, I, saw I both movies. I, th- I saw both movies. I oh, saw both movies. I saw a documentary and I've read a lot of articles. Yeah, there, there's there's actually uh, there's a new Netflix one. It came from basically Irish Broadcasting Corporation, the the Irish Mob in America. And, okay, I want to see that. There's at least two episodes that touch on Montreal. I didn't know that he was involved in Montreal. Well, it, it's everything not that, it's was not, involved in Montreal. Well, Mon- really? Montreal was yeah. a big port coming in, but it, it's not so much he was involved in Montreal. It's Montreal guys. We're going down there. We're going down there. Like things get a little hot here, and they they break down. It's really good uh, for organized crime around here. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Munch, there's there's actually a book out uh, called I think uh, the West Side Gang: History of the Irish Mob in Montreal. And one of the things I got out of that is the Irish Mob were they sort of like, oh, you're taking that, I'll take this. They never really fought among each other, but a lot of the time they sort of subcontracted for other people. Like uh, the the Italians would come up and they say, look, the, here's this bank, we don't know how to crack it. And then the, they'd hire the Irish to go in and do it. That's fucking it. Because you only hear in Montreal, when you hear about mafia, you only hear about the Italian mob. But there's so many, yeah. there's the Greeks, there's Russians. Russians. There's, yeah, there's Russians so much are, around it. Yeah. yeah. Russians own a All lot right. of like stuff. 
Uh, so we're all going to be using assumed names right now. <laughs> no, actually, for years we've been uh, I've been touching on subjects like this. Uh, even one of my friends who's heavily we had on the show years ago, who's heavily involved in this stuff, who uh, you know didn't divulge too much, but kind of like confirmed all the theories. Yeah, yeah. It, it, with but he, they don't care about. The, the only time they'll care is if you fucking name names and you're... But you don't know... We don't know enough. We don't know the yeah, details, yeah. right? We just know the, the overall, which everybody knows, right? What's written in the news. Yeah. And uh, no, unless you're naming names, you're like, fucking Steve robbed that bank. You know, yeah. that'll, that'll get you in trouble. But uh, yeah, there's a lot yeah. of money. I didn't mention Montreal. Steve. I just want to be clear. Steve, yeah. I didn't Steve mention. Steve was my idea. <laughs> Steve, Steve's pissed right now. <laughs> How do yeah. they know my name? Fuck Steve. He's dead. <laughs> it's, it's weird because it's Esteban, <laughs> but it's all... Mm. <laughs> Baluya, what have you been up to? Me, uh, you know, doing stand up and stuff. Yeah, we working on. We were just talking about how uh, building material and the importance of that over the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah, because it gets tricky if you get into a comfort zone. Yeah. Oh yeah, she's right. Yeah. So yeah, it gets tricky if uh, if you get into a comfort zone, right? You get into this comfort zone and you have uh, like a tight ten or a tight eight, or and if people keep asking you to do that time. Even though you want to try some of your new stuff, you're like, ah, well, I know this eight works. I'll keep doing that. And then you get in that comfort zone, you start becoming nervous about throwing other things in there, and you kind of lose yourself. So he was telling me about how uh, David Acker was helping him, giving him the time to try different things, and he, he's able to develop, and then he gets uh, more confidence. Like, yeah, that worked. Fuck, I remember. I'm a comedian. I'm supposed to write this stuff. It's supposed to work. It's supposed to fail sometimes. That's part of the part of the journey. So it's interesting because I do feel like we get stuck. I've gone through weeks, like months, where I'm using uh, every time there's an 8, I know the 8 I'm doing. Every time there's a 12, 15, I'm, I know which one I'm doing. Yeah. I don't play with it. Last night I played with a 20. I haven't felt this good in months. Yeah. Felt great. It's like you're breaking a cycle. Breaking a cycle. You're comfortable. You're like, yeah, of course. There's no issue with breaking it. Of course yeah. I can handle it. I've been doing this long enough, you know? But it's... Wait, uh, wait till you get older when you get like an hour and a half of material and then oof. you're going on stage and you're going... I really haven't done that in a while. I need to clank the rust off it. Does that happen to you where you try to pull out an old joke and while you're saying it, you're like, oh, I, I already I already said this wrong. I already ruined this joke. <laughs> yeah, it's you, happened, yeah. Uh, I, I think it's, you just always have those out-of-body experiences, you know, in the middle of a set mm. where, like, you're telling a joke and you're really selling being in the moment, but your brain is, like, three jokes ahead. Yeah, yeah, I do that a lot, And you're criticizing the shit out of yourself. Uh, worst, you know? worst part is if you, if, like, if I hollowed an old joke, I uh, think, oh, okay, I'll write a set list. I write down the keywords to a couple jokes. And then I, I'm doing an old joke and I realize it's contradicting like uh, my relationship status or something oh, that's yeah. in another joke that I've already done or am doing, was planning on doing later. Because, you know, th those cause those little disconnects with people in the audience and they'll go, wait, hold it. He's saying he's married here, but he said he was. You're making him think earlier. too much and it's ruining yeah. it for them. Yeah. 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 We do. It that. takes you out of it. Yeah. It takes you yourself out of it because you're like, fuck. And then you think, okay, I got to replace that. I, in three jokes, I got to say something. I got to replace it. So while you're talking, that happens to me a lot. Well, I, I'm in the middle of a joke and I'm already a few jokes ahead. I'm like, no, no, scrap that one. Put this one. But my mouth is still moving and I'm still going through the motions. It's so weird. You know, it's so weird. It's like two different people yeah. living inside. It's like you're ones. watching yourself in an aquarium. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's very good. Yeah. yeah. It's, what's... What's the we were talking about JFL before we were talking about uh, the auditions are coming around in a couple of weeks uh, the showcases again. Mm -hmm. What's your end goal? Like as a comedian, like you for example, Paul Baluyet. We'll start with you. Yeah. What's your What's your end goal? What's your okay? Not even if you can't think of an end goal. What's the next level? You're here now. You're doing your your weekends at the Nest. You're going around. You, there's different Canadian cities that, that you visit. 
where do you where do you want to take it? Where's the next level? I think to bring it back, when I first used to do comedy, I was like extremely like serendipitous about it. You know, I just did like a first five minute open mic and then I was like, okay, I have no idea where this is going. I don't know how to do it. I'm trying to figure it all out. I guess it's always felt like I'm it's like you're driving like in the fog and your lights only let you see the next like 50 meters. And then you get to that 50 meters and you're like, oh, then I see the next 50 meters. And right now, I think it's just that I see I see myself going and just building more time and then going from there. I'm, I'm, I just seem to fall into meeting people who bring me to other cities to do comedy there. And it's just always been like that. Like you, you meet a headliner, they're cool. And after they're like, hey, you want to come and work here? And then you go and you do it. Yeah. So for me, it's just what's next is that I'm still writing those like minute to minute to minute. You know, that I know that I could do anywhere. Kind of getting out of the Montreal, um, out of that Montreal box where I know that in Montreal I have this time that I could do here. But now I want that to be like a universal place where I could go anywhere and just fill up like a half an hour or 45 minutes. You have to be able to get out of that box. And to what you said about the headliner helping out, I think the relationships are key, right? Not being not being like a, like a dick to people who come into the city. You meet yeah. them because the only reason that I got gigs in, in in LA and people started knowing me there and I met comedians was all through uh, Ivan Paisel when he came to the Nets oh, the yeah we yeah. Uh, I opened for him and and super cool guy we started talking we became friends he told me hey listen if ever you're in LA you know let me know there's certain clubs that I have the in with and one of them was the Ice House in Pasadena mm-hmm. so it literally went uh, when I mentioned that he told me this and that they just trusted that he's not crazy that he knows what he's talking about and I got to do a Thursday night over there. Mm-hmm. I met friends that I still have now and co- that became really good friends of mine, comedians that are in L.A. Uh, and I had did, uh, the the comedy store, uh, you know, different places around. They were bringing me. And it all started from that one meeting, that relationship, and him saying, hey, if you ever, you know, I saw your set. I know you're, you know, I'm not scared to put you up there. Just let me know when you're down there. We'll make it work. And it all started from that. And then it snowballed. Yeah, exactly. It snowballed. But you have to get out. I feel like you got to get out of the box because you get too used to the city. Yeah, but also you have to like you have to show and prove. Yes. Like at the end of the day, like you get that eight minutes, you know, and you're not gonna take that for granted. You're oh, not flying you're across it as your last if, set. If I had fucked up that eight minutes though, every the the, the feel good story that I'm telling you now would not have been the same because they would have been like this guy's shit. There would be no podcast. Yeah, there would be like, you're not coming with me to the next show. But it was the opposite. It was like, Oh, where are you from? And everybody kept asking the same question. So uh you're doing just for laughs? Yeah. I was like, No, it's actually harder for us yeah. <laughs> to get in, right? Uh, but I'm going to have, a, soon I'm going to have a Zoe Rabnett and um, um, uh, was it Nick Brazau on the show. Okay, and cool. that's one of the questions I want to go through because for them, I'm always thinking about this. They have to see maybe over a thousand people within a year. We don't think about that here, right? And yeah. there's what, one, two spots that they're trying to fill for each thing. Im- imagine getting jaded by seeing all that comedy, right? Yeah. But, on, on top of that, one, one of the things that, that, like I worked for the festival for a number of years. And, and local comics saying, uh, oh, well, we don't have a chance. I mean, first off, the Montreal show used to exist, but then the sales just went down. I mean, and if the locals can't bring people to see them. In their own city. In their own city. And, and on top of that, it's it's the locals here think they're competing among the other locals here. They're not. They're competing with everybody around the world. You're competing with somebody in Scotland. You're competing with somebody in South Africa, Australian comics. They're all competing to for spots here. That is people forget. That's actually a very good point. 
people forget about that. That they think it's just amongst themselves. So they're like, ah, oh, well, you know, this guy's already done it. I'm here. There's five of us. Maybe the five of us will get something. But like I said, they're looking at almost a thousand people, yeah. right? And I think I'm gonna ask them when they come on the show. But I think they also have to fit you somewhere specific, right? So you might even be something that they like. And it's like, oh, I, I think this person's funny. But this year, the way we have it, especially in Montreal, there's no show that fits. Like this where, set. where do we put? Yeah, them? where we. So there's so much, so many complexities, right? Uh, that goes into it uh, that people never hear. You always hear about the the outside. You always hear about the comedians talking about the festival and how they get in and what they do. But you don't really hear the inner workings. That's why I, I'm bringing them on to interview them. I think it's gonna be super interesting to find out how that their mindset is. Right? Yeah. Imagine getting bombarded too with emails. Yeah, people are angry. So, uh, one yeah. of the, one of the things that used to f- well still frustrates me is I, I hear like from other Canadian comics, just, you know, man, I got the festival and it did nothing for me. Oh, okay. Did you come with a spec script? Did you, did you have like a stack of business cards to give out? How many demos did you hand out? What did you do at night? Oh, I went drinking. Yeah. You, you, you have to, uh, Guido Cocomelo was talking about this. I was talking to Guido yeah. and he, he said, you have to learn, you can't wait on the festival, right? He gave me the best advice about the fest. He says, you can't wait. And they're only going to notice you if you're already doing your own thing and you're already being, you're not just waiting for a handout. Plus, when you get it, it doesn't do nothing for you if you're not ready, right? Yeah. So he waited, he got that, he knew what doors he could open with it. Yeah. Move to, you, uh, some people just, they think they get it and they just sit there waiting for it's somebody like to knock key. on their door. Yeah. You know, you got to exactly. still keep grinding. That's just one little badge that you could show people, right? But you still got to keep building your army, man. You still got to keep moving forward. It's not a goal. It's, it's, it's not a goal, exactly. It's a, it's a step, it's a door to get through. It, that, that's yeah. the that's the best way to describe it. It's a it's a step. You, you open the door. There's other shit you got to do. That door's unlocked now. But you don't you don't just stop in in the doorway. You yeah. have to walk inside. Maybe cook something. Sit down. Yeah, watch a show. Take your shoes off. <laughs> you, are worst, you are the worst. You are the worst beanie guy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. But it's all it's, you know. It's the same thing as like uh, you going to the ice house. Yeah. You know. You still gotta. <laughs> you still gotta go there and really. Just you your bring best it. comedy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I was really nervous because I knew, I knew what was at stake. Like I knew number one, uh, you know, he he put uh, he put in a good word for me. You know what I mean, Ivan. So like, I don't want to fuck him over. Like, oh, he's bringing his friends yeah. to march on their shit. Plus, I was meeting people, and some people I had seen on uh, on TV. That, so it was. I was like, fuck, I don't want to. I don't want to mess this up, right? Plus, they mentioned, you know, he's from Montreal. That's the you know home of just for laughs. Nah, nah. So like, oh, you know, he's from that city. You yeah. Know, let's. So, but I brought it that night. That night I was happy. I brought it. I made some good friends, and uh, and it worked well. But here in this city, it's you know it's different. Like we we don't even have that many um, that many spots anymore. Yeah. People are building stuff around town. Like I don't know if you did the art loft. Have you done the art loft? Yeah, I did. did I did the art loft. I did it last night. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting. I ta- first of all, I, I said as soon as I got on stage that it feels like you're committing a crime going in there. Right, yeah. the signs going up. Uh, it's the only place that if you'd see syringes, you'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, like this is the place. It's it's uh, just to put it in perspective. It's like uh, it's like a, too much, too much. Yeah, yeah. George uh, Braithwaite used to do uh, a room in. Uh, it was basically an, it was an artist loft, right? It was their apartment, and it was down the street. I heard about the same that. building as the uh, the Aloha room. Okay, yeah. So. I, but it brings. I feel like it's a it's a good crowd to bring together. And last night I saw faces that I've never seen before, both in comedy. There was a lot of French comedians there too, and I feel like these kind of rooms are necessary. You know, what I mean, you bridge. You know, you and also us to see each other. Sometimes we go in rooms where it's always a rush. Like you go to the nest. And yeah. You can't sit there and talk. People are coming and going. People are coming and going. Whereas there, everybody was there. You'd go outside. Some people want to smoke. Some people want to talk. And and you get to be, um, you know, a little bit more I- informal with your, uh, with your uh, cronies. You know. Yeah. 
It was, I saw Jacob. I hadn't seen him in a long time. Starchuski. Yeah. I hadn't seen him in a while. It was nice. You know, you, so you get to see these people. Even like, for example, Paul Ash. I, it's rare that we run into each other on the scene, right? How yeah. often does it happen? Usually at the nest. Right? Usually at the nest. And when it happens, it's like, oh, you know, you have that surprise. You're like, oh, fuck. You know, because you don't yeah, see each yeah. other a lot, but you, you do want to see it's just the way the, the scene is. There's all these, uh, the same, uh, on a Wednesday, there's like three different shows. What are the odds that you're going to be at the same one? Yeah. So, there's all these little nooks and crannies in, uh, in the city, you know, where you run into people that you wouldn't run into anywhere else. Did you did you like the Stand the Fuck Up show you did? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Did, I did that a few weeks ago. Have you done that? It's a Wednesday and I've got the wiggle oh, yeah. room. I, I ha- though I, I, I do occasionally take breaks from the Wednesday. I get somebody to fill in the running of it. And uh, um, I went, I did Pompette on a Wednesday and I've done the Bishop and Bag on a Wednesday. I did that. Yeah. So you got Bishop and Bag, uh, Stand the Fuck Up, uh, the Pompette Monthly. Comedy Nest. Comedy Nest. Uh, the Works is what, improv that night? Yeah, I think they, they're doing something on Wednesdays, right, too. And then you've got the Wiggle Room, and I, I don't think that's all the shows that are on Wednesday. I think that's too much. I think we need to scatter them. Yeah. Thursday could always use a new show. I, I think somebody should move to a Thursday, because I feel we're cannibalizing ourselves. Because yeah. a lot of people don't understand. They'll be like, oh, the numbers aren't that big this week. But it's not because nobody wants to see your show. It's because they have other commitments. They can make it the next week, but you're not there the next week. These... It, it, it's also, it's when you're running a show and uh, a comic says, hey, I, I have to go on early because I have to go somewhere else. Then you know that comic isn't telling his friends to show up. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, the, the They're four... not going the first show. They're going the second show. Yeah, the four pillars of, of, of comedy, right? I mean, you've got writing, you've got, uh, you got stagecraft, you've got presence, and then you get self-promotion, right? And a lot of people don't think about self-promotion, especially when they're starting out. And uh, self-promotion is, is getting people out there to see you. Because you, when you tour, when you go cross-country, they don't care how artistic or how funny you are. They care about how much beer they sell. Yeah. And uh, so you have to be able to, like, hit those – hit up social media, hit your mailing list. You got to tell people you're going to be in Calgary to get them out to see you. Uh, in this city, at least, I haven't had trouble with, uh, to put on a show. I don't have trouble getting people to come out. But it is funny when I go to other places and like, like, oh, I have a few listeners here. I have followers here. And you try and it, you see how it's like pulling teeth trying to, in places that they don't really know you. But the good thing about that is that when they do come out, to them, everything is it's new. Brand new, yeah. yeah. And you've, you've tightened it so much that compared to people that see you regularly and see it evolve, they're like, whoa, what the fuck? This is a really well-crafted set. Right, where other people had to suffer through it in Montreal to see it grow. Because you, you, you know how it is. You see somebody's set, you look at it two months later, yeah. it's evolved. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, it's it's also a second album syndrome, right? When a, co- a comedian breaks and that first album comes out and it's like, wow, that's so amazing. And then the second album, you know, they've got a year to to write as well as they did in the past 10 years. Yeah, That's, like, yeah. I, I mean, everyone loves Louis C.K., but every year he comes out with that special and every year I'm going, you know, there's about 15 minutes in there that I wish he spent a little bit more time on. And you, you know what? It's because I think he, he caps himself. He has that rule of right. one year. One year. Whereas Joe Rogan and I think um, uh, Bill Burr said that they do the hour and a, uh, the year and a half. Because Joe Rogan said mm, they're not really that ready in a year. He was talking about it this week. He goes, it's not really ready in a year. You need that extra time. you know. So he takes an extra half year and then he'll release it. And he feels more comfortable to give it away. You don't like giving stuff half cooked. Yeah, and these these are guys who are on stage three hundred and fifty nights a year. Oh yeah, multiple times sometimes, like, yeah. like us when they're running around on different on yeah. different shows. 
So they, they know what they're talking about. It, it depends on the, on the comedian. Some people, they're comfortable throwing stuff away when it's just not fully ready. Um, I have a rule where if, if, I put, if I put it on YouTube and, and it, it's on there, sometimes even if it's not ready, I, I don't like saying it because people have seen it. They'll go to the website. They'll be like, let me see what this guy's about. He's on, uh, at the Nest tonight, for example. I can't say those jokes because yeah. they already saw them, right? So I've learned to only put stuff up that I don't want to use, that I'm comfortable with showing, but I don't want to use anymore. Because mm-hmm. uh, I don't like people knowing the punchline that easy, you know, from a video. Yeah. If you've seen me before that week or months ago and the punch, you know, changed a bit, it's part of comedy. But uh, if you if you see the whole set on the website before you come to the show, that's uh, now I'm being shitty. I'm not offering you anything different Yeah. in person. It's not like going to a concert and knowing all of the lyrics to your songs, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. No one ever complains if, uh, if the tragically hit doesn't uh plays little bones right you know they yeah. want they want to hear it it's a different beast comedy yeah you yeah. you've been doing it how long have you been in comedy Paulash? uh it's hard to say and i don't like to say it without a lawyer present um, <laughs> the uh, first time i went on stage i was 19 i'm a lot older than that now but i lived in a city that there was no comedy club for a long time uh where uh, halifax oh, i didn't know that yeah, so the, I'm originally from the East Coast, and there was there was uh, I started comedy. There was uh, open mics, there was a lot of infighting, and it killed it. And then there was no place to perform, and uh, then I started coming up to work for Just for Laughs uh, here. And then I moved to Toronto, and then from Toronto I moved uh, to Montreal, made the big move, um, and uh, that probably was '99. And then I was here to 2003, and then I moved back to Halifax, and there was still no comedy there, and uh, ended up starting a room. Nathan McIntosh actually started on my stage. Uh, Peter White. Um, uh, if we go really old school, like before I moved away, uh, I would try to put on shows. David Pride did his first show in Halifax. You know that he's my... Um He's my favorite comedian in Canada, right? I've mentioned this on the show a lot. David Pride? No, me too. He was the, he's the guy who inspired me to uh, write in a book after I watched him at John Abbott when I was like 17. He, <laughs> he's, he's he put me in my place the first time I saw him. It was my first paid gig, and it was at the Nest. It was Remember the Comedy Nest Presents, the Friday nights? Yeah. The ones yeah, they yeah, do? Yeah. Uh, so I did that, and he was headlining. Uh, and I went on. I was like, oh, I wasn't okay. But then I saw him. And I saw the difference in his quality of writing, his delivery, right? And stagecraft. His st- oh, he was stagecraft just- is understated. It's it's just like so many people. It's like I, like he he comes across his acting is tight. So he's oh. he's solid, but he he it's all underplayed, and it just he's amazing hits subconsciously. He made me not want to do that set. That whole set that I had, then I couldn't do it anymore. I was like, oh, this <laughs> so is shit. You threw it away. Yeah, this is garbage. But again. I was so and just the type of person. Also, this is very important to me. Is outside. When he's off stage, right? Yeah. Fucking sweetheart, who's nicer? Who, who's been nicer to people than Pride? Yeah, you know. I was like, fuck this guy. You know, he's he's so amazing. Like he's a good writer. <laughs> he could, he could be an arrogant asshole if he wants to, and instead he's not. He, he he answers questions. He'll sit down with you. He's he's always polite. Like he's the opposite. He should be an egomaniac, right? Like a lot of good. You see a lot of comedians are just yeah. assholes off stage, and instead he's like a, just a regular, just super nice guy. Jim Gaffigan as well. He's a super nice guy, oh, him. Super nice yeah. guy. You see, there's certain people. I just watched it, this special yesterday. It, it's mo- actually because uh, I worked for Just for Laughs. I got to meet a lot. Most of the higher level comics in the world are the nicest people, and part of the reason they they're the ones who get up there is because people like to work with them. I mean, ah, so that's... that that's that's a development skill. Like if you are going to be spending six hours 
uh, in two days in a car with someone, you want to make sure it's somebody you like. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That was me, me and David Pride. Uh, you know, David Pride's like forty-something year old white man, very non-offensive and non-threatening. <laughs> me and him, we went to uh, the Kingston Absolute together, and we we worked the whole week. And the Sunday, we're leaving at like nine in the morning, coming back to Montreal from Kingston. And uh, right when we got on the highway, I, I just got a ticket before that. So I set my cruise control to 113 kilometers an hour. Just to be safe. Just to be safe. Okay. Mm. So we're driving. Me and David Pride, we get pulled over by um, by one of the highway security guys, like black van, um, like uh, just tints, you know, like... So he pulls us over and I open my window. I'm like, is something wrong? He sticks his head in my window. He's like, I, sm-, he's like, give me your, whatever your, uh, your, uh, license and registration. And he, I'm like, what's wrong? He's like, I smell raw packaged marijuana. What? <laughs> <laughs> so that's what he says to me and David Pride. And we're like looking at each other and, uh, we're like, what the, what the fuck is this guy talking about? He's like, yeah, I smell raw packaged marijuana. Can you turn off your car and uh, step in the back of my uh, truck, please? What? So I go in the back of his truck. And as I'm like taking my seatbelt off, me and David Pride were just like whispering like, how did he smell raw packaged marijuana at 113 kilometers <laughs> on the highway? And then we, so I sit in the back of the car. David's sitting in the back of the car. He sits in the front of the car and he's holding his rifle. What the fuck? And he's like... You know, there's a lot of drugs that go through here. Um, tell me why you guys are here. And maybe it's because we got paid in cash. So when we were taking all of our cards out of our wallets, you see like a big stack stack of cash. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's like, um, he's like, so what are you guys doing here? And we're like, okay, uh, we're. He's like, I'm like, he's like, go, I'm like, go through my car. You will find a little bit of marijuana in my car. And I told him exactly where it was, and it was there, and. Uh, so he comes into the car. He's like, you know what this is, blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh, are you supposed to have this in your car? I'm like, no, but it's Sunday morning. No one is doing any drugs or anything like that. He's like, what's with a big duffel bag in, the, in your back seat? You have a big duffel bag? It's your clothes. No, it's David Pride is like, if you open that duffel bag, you'll see I have 50 CDs with my face on it. <laughs> He's like, you're welcome to have one if you'd like. Merch. That's just how freaking nice David Pride is, right? <laughs> He's like, you're welcome to have one if you'd like. And after he's like, he's like, all right, your story checks out. Your story um, checks But he's like, you guys are lucky I, I, that I, you I, got caught by a guy like me on a day like this. But you didn't do anything. Because he's like, if I wasn't, I would throw both your asses in fucking jail. For what? For having mar- <laughs> like I had it was maybe point uh, two I, I, of a I'm gram. Just wondering if this was like a real cop or just somebody doing a it shakedown. Sounds like a setup, yeah. it, it sounds like a shakedown. Just uh, look, yeah, oh, this duffel bag full of weed that you got. I'm just gonna be a nice guy and confiscate it. Exactly. Like, That's what it felt like. Yeah. No. It, 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 what, what, were, yeah. what were you driving? I drive a uh, 2005 Suzuki Swift. Oh, there's a, a Swift. <laughs> yeah, so it's a tiny and little no car. extra neon no, on it. No. Nothing, just black on black, you know, black on black on rust. It sounds like Super Troopers. Remember that movie? Yeah, it but it was like amazing. Movie. This guy was alone. He, I felt like it was like, uh, he was like an American state trooper, <laughs> you know? And we, me and David Pride were just like, we get back in the car, we're like, 
what the hell was that? <laughs> that was, that's that's so sketch. Yeah, because I guess David Pride by, looks by the, like a perfect drug mule, you know? <laughs> <laughs> perfect drug mule. <laughs> by the by the way, if if you uh, it used to be online, I don't know if it still is. Uh, David Pride did a, a spec a script for uh, uh, news radio. Do you remember that old sitcom? I remember the, that. Yeah. that so Dave he Foley. did a spec script for a Christmas special of that. It is funnier than any episode I'm I ever watched, he, and I love news radio. He's something else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I don't know if he worked on it with Scott Falconbridge, but I know that they used to they used to write together a lot. Falconbridge, I don't see around a lot either, and when well, I do see him, it's Trump. another one of those guys where I see him like, oh fuck, Scott, Fal-. you know what I mean? You get yeah. excited. Yeah, but you feel in Halifax, you said the, the there was a infighting. No, it, it, how many people it, even it, live there? How no, is there? It was how years big ago. is that well, community? It's probably about the same size as the English community in Montreal. Really? Well, no, it's a, it's about four hundred thousand people. All right, and uh, but the the thing is, uh, there used to be a yucks, uh, bad management kind of closed it. It moved out, uh, but they took some of the comics with them, and then the other open micers who were there started up like you know, open mics, and that's when I got involved because you can't drink until 19 in Nova Scotia. Interesting. And uh, I I was just got involved, and the, the people who were a bit more senior, okay. they started to kind of fight over, well, you know, who's getting paid. Mm. And uh, so it ended up that there became two groups, and there was a lot of spite. So there was one room uh, on Spring Garden Road, and so right across the street on the very same night, they opened up another room, uh, just open mics. And it was like, how do you split the audience? Like open mic wars. It, it was. It, they, it basically, it killed it. And uh, and there was no place to perform. Because then both rooms are shit. Right? Yeah. Because yeah. you're you're cannibalizing your own fucking yeah, thing. Exactly. Yeah. There's no sense of community. No. We now, a- there, there is now. Like the Halifax comedy community, like that, that was, that was the late eighties, right? Early nineties that happened, that, that killed it. Uh, that was before the Halifax comedy festival ever happened. Um, and then, uh, when I came back, there was a couple places, um, Guy Earl, uh, would occasionally run a, a class and comedy show. Uh, and he notoriously like would get into physical altercations with, uh, bar managers uh so he sort of got you know he was a person persona non grata and then i teamed up with uh this uh, american um by the name of joe Maurizio, and we started a night and then it just and the thing is also in nova scotia like in halifax it's such a music town i i go into a bar i say like i you know i know that you don't have that many people here uh, on a thursday night uh, which is a lie because all the bars are par- packed all the time. More bars per capita than any other city in North America. There's a reason people like to drink. I didn't know that. Uh, I don't know if that stat is still steady, but it used to be in the top five in the world and it was the only one in North America. Um, here here I go in and, and they say, what, you want You want me to sort of like at two out, only have two hours? You want me to actually pay you money and uh, to put on a, a show? I like... I can get a band to play from ten till we close at three for a couple pitchers of beer. <laughs> so how do you compete with that? How do you yeah. compete with that? So what ended up happening? We went to a, a brew pub that was normally closed on a Sunday night, and we opened up a, a Sunday night. And we did. We went, plan was to be monthly, and after second or third show, we we went weekly, 
and uh, you know a lot of great comics passed through there. How um, long? How long did the show run for? Uh, let's see. I started that 2004, and when did I move back? Uh, about three years. A picnic face. Yeah. Uh, they they met there. That's how they got together. Um, Halifax. Yeah, Halifax. It's an artsy. Uh, there, there's a it, big it's, it's a, it's a, Well, no, it's, it's a very young city is the thing, right? There's three major universities, universities and, and three military oh, okay. bases, right? Yeah. So it's not just the arts. You also, like, you get military people as well. So it's it's a very diverse uh, city that's young, skews young. This is interesting. Yeah. You, you feel like it's e- – is it, was it easier there? Is it easier here to kind of run it, and set up an open mic? Um. It's easy nowhere. Yeah, you you really have to like promote the the hell out of it. Like even then, uh, first bit of good press we got was out of the uh, the Toronto Eye. We got better press from another city. From yeah, the Toronto Free Free Weekly than we did. And the, the quote there was, uh, "Comedy in Halifax is akin to uh, comedy in Halifax now is akin to uh, music in Seattle circa 1992." That's a huge. That's that huge was a statement. huge compliment. Yeah. I mean, and, and the thing is, it's it's. I mean, that's because we had guys coming out of there. Peter White was coming out of there. Uh, two names you don't probably don't know, but uh, Mike McQueen, Bryant Thompson, uh, they both went uh, in Toronto. Now they're back in Halifax. Uh, Nathan McIntosh, the the man is a work ethic, and he was just on Conan. Right? He was on Conan this week. Yeah, uh, you you've got. Uh, also, there were some people who were great stories. There was like this Newfoundland grandmother by the name of Bev McDonald who, uh, when I met her, she was doing these odd characters slash sketches. And I, I'm saying, and then I talked to her off stage, and she was so, so fucking funny and so interesting. I said, no, no, bring that on stage. Just be honest and tell stories. And, I like stories. And she did uh, within a year. She did 45 minutes for breast ca- uh, cancer awareness uh, uh, benefit. Uh, and she was just, she was so hilarious. Uh, and she didn't get a lot of, when, when the clubs opened, she didn't get a lot of time because they're going, well, who wants to put on a 60 year old woman? And she's fucking hilarious. Yeah. It should uh, be f- funny. Should be the, the bottom line, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and then there was, uh, uh, Kevin Dupuy who, who has like, he's now getting back into it. He's a lot better. Kevin Dupuy. Uh, I love this guy. He's he's starting comedy again. I really want to see it. But when I first saw him, he was recovering from a brain injury. Uh, Kevin Dupuy, he tried out for the Canadian Olympic swimming team. He came to Montreal from Halifax. He came in third. They took the top two. But he got noticed by a coach, and he ended up getting a full sports scholarship to the Un- University of Cincinnati. While he was there, like the, the training, they brought him up a level. He got uh, invited to the U.S. Invitational. Uh, where he competed against one of the guys that beat him out, and he got silver. He he only came in second to uh, to one another American. Uh, so he actually beat the guy that had beat him before. That's pretty. Uh, that's with, a with, redemption, with, right? Within a month, though, from that, he was leaving a No Effects concert, and he saw uh, Five Skinheads jump a black guy, and, and he joined in the beating. He he st- he stepped in to stop it. I and thought, did he help the skinheads? Whose side was he on? <laughs> he was on the black guys. He's we're talking about Kevin is is like Sweet no guy. no question no question about what he would do. He in didn't care about how many people there were. He said, "Fuck it, I'm fighting these skinheads." Yeah, and he ended up getting his head bounced Jeez. off of uh, the the concrete. He woke up a uh, um, couple weeks later, paralyzed on the left side of his body, um, and. 
uh, he had a, a, a bruise on the back of his brain and he had lost some speech. Like they would hold up flashcards and he would say the word, but sometimes he wouldn't think of the word. And so he'd do the sound that it makes, you know, that's a dog, that's a horse, that's a meow. Uh, was this before or after he started comedy? This was before. Okay. And uh, all he was trying to do was do and, the right thing. He was trying to help somebody taking a beat. Yeah. You see what happens? You try to do the fucking right thing. Well, the thing is, it, 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 he was like a 12 he he was kind of like he was an adult when i met him he had a lot of the mobility back and, and bef- by the time i left halifax he actually was back in the pool again he now coaches swimming and, and he's a lot better but he had the impulse control of a 12 year old like poseidon yeah <laughs> yeah well with a reason and uh i i remember but the thing is he was he was a wild card to put on stage uh, like I, I remember, you know, he had a seven minute set and he was about 10 minutes in and Andrew Albert loved this, loved the, loves this story. Uh, he was about 10 minutes in and after like talking to people in the crowd, he said, Oh, okay. I should start my set. Oh God. That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, there was one time on the road with him. Uh, we actually, the, that grandmother and her husband were, were driving us in a minivan to go do a show in, that, in, in Amherst, what a, what a motley crew. Huh? Yeah. We're going to do the show. Rock stars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we stopped at a Tim Hortons cause you know, well, it's Canada huh. and, uh, Kevin and I were like the last two in the washroom and I noticed he didn't wash his hands as we were leaving and we're crossing the parking lot. I said, Kevin, did you wash your hands? He said, don't worry. I'm not going to touch you. I said, do you want any of these Timbits? And just the look on his face is just oh fell. Just, oh, and he, I want donuts. His, his his you know his his face went down and he, he went in and washed his hands and came back. It was it he, was he it just was, turned on the water and yeah. came back out. He was like, I'm not washing my hands for nobody. <laughs> Do you, I just remembered I want to talk about um because you said there was the infighting there and then the Montreal scene. Do you feel it's aggressive, the Montreal scene? I I've lived in Toronto. Um Toronto is a much more aggressive scene. Okay. Uh, Montreal, for the most part, is uh, is very good. There, there's a little bit of click, but not that much, and definitely not to the level of, of the Halifax scene that ate or, itself. Okay. Yeah, I am. Um, yeah, Toronto, Toronto. Some of it is manufactured, uh, but but yeah. uh, a lot of it isn't. There, it, you're talking about comedy. Comedy is. Well, it's confidence and ego, right? Yeah. And, and so you're going to get people whose egos will clash. Well, yeah, I had uh, last episode. I had Leonard Yell on. Yeah, and Mike Mayo was here too, and he wanted to take the opportunity. He asked, like, is, is there any way we could squash a beef on the podcast? And he mentioned you. He wanted to squash a beef with you. He wanted to uh, end uh, uh, fight. It's true. It's true. He wanted to end fighting with you. So me and Leonard kind of poked at him about it because you know curiosity peaks and he and he said that you guys have been um not fighting over it for years it's not like consistent but there's an argument over uh, over a joke and over uh, a room right but mostly what me and leonard were, were grilling him on we wanted to find out was the joke right because you're, you're saying that he stole one of your jokes so he, we were he stole asking a couple him, lines okay. it, it was the joke that i won the cbc laugh out loud with uh and, and he said it was a separatist joke and that yeah. the premise he 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 maintains that the premise, at least to his knowledge, was the was the same. It was about separatists, right? Separatists, mm-hmm. but that the jokes were different. Now I don't have both jokes in front of me to be, and that's what he was asking. He's like, if people say that it's the same joke, you know, I'll admit that's close. But I unintentionally, he goes unintentionally, he would never steal a joke, and that in his eyes, still they're just the same premise, but they're different jokes. The, and the, he wanted to squat. He doesn't like he doesn't like fighting with you. He doesn't like. I'm I'm not fighting with him. I um okay. There's a there's a big backstory. Is when I, I first moved to the city, I 
you know, I met Mike and he was a nice enough guy and, and uh, you know, he came to me for advice, wanted help. So I helped getting him on rooms, helped get him into Ottawa. And uh, then I found out he was talking shit about me behind my back. So I said, that's how, that's how you start a good feud. <laughs> yeah. So I, I confronted him and, and he, you know, he owned up and apologized. He said, you know, I'm really sorry. I'm not going to do that again. And then, uh, then the thing came when, when like this was about two years after I, I had won the award, the, the CBC laugh out loud, he lifted a couple lines from my joke, uh, uh, about, um, uh, you know, uh, it's a long joke, but there, there, there's a line in there uh, about saying that, you know, the, the natives, like, uh, you're a true Quebecer. Oh, so you're like Native American. It's, oh, no, no, no. And, and that's a line that he lifted straight up and a couple more uh, from, from the joke. Is it, is it, because I don't have... And, and, well, the thing I, is, I, I, I confronted him on that. Yeah. And he said it was different. I'm saying, I'm saying okay, well, I just heard you do it. He says, well, I got a recording. I'll play the recording. Then he listened to the recording, and then he wouldn't let me hear it. And then he, then he turned to me and said, well, your joke is hack anyway. Um, that is was, the, that was the... his apology to me. So at that point, I just sort of like, <laughs> you know what? I don't want you in my life. You're a toxic person. That and I, I, right now, I just I treat him as a black hole. I, I try my best to ignore him. He likes to try to get up in my face. He likes to butt into conversations when I'm talking to people. He... I'm not the only person he's been an evil prick to, and uh, I don't need him in my life. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was more of need, but I, I think he had brought it up because he didn't want to, like, because uh, he said he said he, himself he feels like sometimes when he's tried to approach you, talk to you, he said that he felt like he was kind of being a dick, kind of like aggressive, right? So he sees, yeah. so he t he said I could see how Paul could take it as I'm trying to. Uh, fuck with him, you know. Mm -hmm. But he's like uh, he was mentioning. He says that he saw you at uh, Blue Dog. He was there, and he goes, yeah. uh, and he he and felt I, I, I in, was, instinctively I, I, that you that he's like fuck. I think he thought that I was trying to be aggressive with him, but he's been trying to he's been trying to squash it. Well, you know, he no, when when he comes up, uh, it's a podcast. It's hard to do. But uh, Paul, imagine this: somebody that you you're in conversation with somebody else, and somebody comes up to you, like putting your, his hand out in front of you. Like, I want you to shake my hand. Shake, oh, like my hand shake my hand. Shake my hand. Walking in and then saying hi to the other person you're in mid-conversation with. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's... Well, it, he's a, I, it also depends on dick. your... He keeps on saying that he's a good person and he's yeah. not. I've never seen him do something good for somebody else that wasn't self-serving. Well, yeah. I don't know. I've, I've known Mike for many years as well and he's always been nice to like me. He's, we, he's, we, we went to school together. We, he's we admitted on the show. Together. Mike knows that he could be a prick. He's, he's, he knows he's admitted, he can be uh, thing. abrasive. Yeah, you know? he he's yeah. even said that on the last episode. He didn't say like, uh, oh, fucking Paul Ash. It was the opposite. He said that uh, the joke he maintains is not a stolen joke, but that he sees how he's been aggressive. Not aggressive, but like he doesn't always, you know, he it seems like he's fucking with Paul when he goes talks to him. And that uh, he was bringing it up to me and Leonard, because Leonard knows you and Leonard said the same thing, that you've never uh, had an issue with him, right? I, the thing is, so I... Leonard was shocked too. I, he didn't know about the beef and Leonard was like, really? You get, like of all people, like Paul yeah, Ash, who, no, no who you found to feud uh, with? I, I don't tell anyone about this whatsoever. Uh, the, the final step was like, I was sort of like washed my hands of him. Uh, the Kick-Ash comedy show. Uh, I, I had a problem with a bartender and... Uh, uh, there was a guy who wanted to stream everyone's comedy. Oh, I, I've heard about this, which is fucking right? crazy. And uh, I got, uh, I get, there's a blog on my website about the incident that The guy happened. who wanted to stream it, by the way, hates me. 
<laughs> Me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go on. Yeah. Fuck that uh, guy. <laughs> fuck that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, they, they, I got, the owner kicked me out. The owner, uh, I, my French is horrible, so I couldn't really communicate well with him. And uh, he later apologized to me, but they canceled my show. And then the next week later. That was Andrew's Pub. Yeah. The yeah. show reopened and Mike was hosting. And what I heard from several people was Mike was part of the, the group action to get me out of there. That I, I can I, tell you, that I can tell you, because I was around at the time. Yeah. I was around at the time. Th- that's that's not true. About that's me too. I remember that. Because I remember how how he was approached, because he was approached when I was approached to come do sets. And I, I hadn't met you then. I didn't even know about the room before. I didn't know that there was even comedy being done before. And all they said was, hey, it's free here on, what is it, Tuesday nights? I remember, do yeah. you want to do comedy shows? And Mayo was like, yeah, of course, you know, I need a spot to do. Of course, I, I, and I've done. Uh, Mayo had done that I've, show. Yeah, he actually. says, I've done, I've done here. It, it could work. It could work. Yeah, I'll do it. So, th- and also the person who um, the action was like against you and stuff, don't like uh, Mike Mayo. Don't well, like him. Well, the thing is, I, I heard they've kind of fractured after they didn't pay him what they told him that they were. Oh no! It wasn't even that. It was they don't. They don't. Uh, they don't, well, Mike. Like you know, Mike. Uh, he even you know, Mike sometimes rubs people the wrong way. He knows. He admits it. It's not like a secret. Uh, but no, they didn't like him. And also the guy that you said, the streaming guy, who uh, we went off on him on a podcast a while ago. Um, there was a lot of clashes. But that guy, uh, I don't know the full story behind that guy. What he did over there, but he did a lot of fuckery. There was a lot of fuckery, and he was enjoying um, having he, people he works, fight over things that he, he was actually Coco, responsible uh, for. Coco Mello and and. Uh, a number a number of other guys. Um, Rodney worked with them. Actually, uh, they did a pilot together. Okay. 24-hour video. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that... Uh, I don't know what happened with that. I remember uh, G- G- uh, Cocomelo was telling me something that about was a, that. That was a second pilot they were doing. Yeah. But... Uh, uh, Massimo was involved in that as well. I like Massimo. He's coming back. So. Uh, yeah. I haven't seen him in a while. But yeah, it was... That was a, a whole weird time. So to to that, uh, I don't know what uh, what to say. But for the, for the, the fighting over the joke... It's hard. It's hard to. It's hard to tell because I understand that they're separate jokes, and it depends what the lines are too. And if you see them side by side, like I want to do the comparison. Um, it was word for word. Like I, I, I was shocked you, to when see you to saw do it. it. And uh, I would say it, it, it was after my parents' death. So twenty fifteen. So weird time for you too. Twenty in twenty fifteen, I was hosting the nest, and he did the joke, and he did my line then. And it made you it, it, at that point. I was just like. Yeah, like, I, I, do you I, think you, I'm happy to have him out. I like you never heard of this beef before, right? No one hears about this from me. Yeah. I only get people coming to me saying, "Oh, Mike Mayo says you have a beef with." I don't have a beef well, with he, him. I just don't want him in my yeah, life. Yeah, because because if you, uh, I don't know if you listen, but when we were talking to Leonard Yell, what he brought up, the reason he brought it up and he wants squash is because he said that at the club you you were telling people this guy's a joke thief. Right? He is. So I, I know that the thing is, <laughs> okay. Uh, here, but that here, doesn't that just, doesn't sound like you're just, letting it go. Yeah, but that's the want. thing. Well, no, no, you know, it, 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 that I'm, sounds I, the opposite. Of I, I, wait, yeah, <laughs> I, I called him a joke thief when he did my line. Yeah, I was saying that's my joke. He just did. That's why I, me telling people he's yeah. a joke thief. And if you listen to Mike Mayo, and now you hear Mike Mayo, but Mike Mayo, uh, that voice that he does, that persona he does on stage, that's Matthew Boylan. Yeah, I remember it's Boylan. it's it's completely Boylan. But I also remember but that's because when he Boylan was came. his rabbi before me. But there is like the guy I remember. Yeah, this. Anyways, I remember a, a comic uh, being really mad at uh, Mike Mayo for being Adam Sandler. 
So everybody thinks that Mike Mayo is a different person. Yeah. Who is the real Mike? No, no. Mayo? But do you think maybe we just see Mayo the way we want to see Mayo? No, I don't. I don't even know. But I remember because <laughs> he can't be all those people, right? They're no. different. Boylan yeah. and, and Sandler are two different fucking people. Yeah, but so you but can't say that he's trying to be each person, right? He has to. But I imagine he's like a young kid going to do stand up. He, he doesn't know. Like what, he's wearing his influences on, on, yeah. on, on, his, on sleeve. his sleeves, right? Uh, which is fine. But I mean, his apology for stealing the lines from my joke was. That my joke was hacked. That's what made yeah. me laugh when you said before, because it's funny because he he maintains that because I I do believe that Mike believes that the joke is not stolen. Uh, we had him oh, here, he, and we he, yeah, him. he's he's clearly so delusional he, uh, often. Or, or it's because he said it's a it's a premise. It was a similar premise, so that that's fine. What I, what I, what made me laugh was that instead of being like you know maybe they're similar, he's it's such a male line. Hey, jokes hack anyway. Like he's yeah. like ah fuck this guy. It's like, like very just, dismissive. Yeah, of very it. dismissive of. Yeah, and I feel like it could have ended. S- a long time ago, right? It could have just been... Um, yeah, because I, mean, I don't think... Because he wouldn't intentionally... I don't think he would intentionally steal a joke. Just knowing him, there's certain stuff that... In terms of being a comedian, that he wouldn't be able to live down. And one of them is being a joke thief. Mike Mayo, as much as he like loves comedy, that's the one thing that he would not want to be remembered for or known for. And yeah, something he wouldn't do. So I'm not saying that it's done intentionally. There is possible. There's a possibility of you know parallel. You know, you hear something, it, you like a sponge, you absorb a line that fits into I, your joke, do, and you do, don't do it on you, purpose. You remember yeah. the uh, um, uh, the dragons joke? The the joke about. Uh, more people on this planet believe dragons are real. Yeah. I believe Quebec's an age. That's that's a joke, and it's a big, three minute long story, and, and a two and a half minute long story. And the thing is, by the time when he came up with the joke, I had already kind of just retired it and only used it around Saint Jean Baptiste Day, like uh, because it like it's it. I got it out there. I won an award on, on CBC, uh, and uh, apparently, like really. It did well um, in the competition to the point that you know the other the other snippets whatever weren't didn't even qualify like not to that level and uh, I did it I did the joke a lot I did a lot the joke a lot in front of him and and then he started saying a similar I've never it, what's like the dragon three, I don't know I don't know what joke that is. I, I haven't I haven't seen a, a male. Yeah, just in a while, you want me to bring up a, a like a, a an eight year old. No, no, but I mean, it, what you're saying is that it was the same joke, or essentially, well, it, it, it's it's basically it, it, it's like uh, the 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 part where there's crossover and he does steal lines are Quebecers who are saying though that that uh, Quebec is for Quebecers. We are we are the original Quebecers. We're the original people here. And I but call is, I call back to the fact that Native Americans. But isn't that kind of um, and again I I'm, I can't play devil's advocate because I don't have both jokes to do yeah. it. I'm just thinking because I do remember the the Algonquin line and the whole Quebec is really. But yeah. I haven't said that in a joke. But I've said that in conversation that well they keep saying that yeah. but it's really a, so that's kind of a common thought. It, it is you, yeah. you, you know what I mean thought, yeah. Not, but I mean I I brought it to radio first and won an award with it. And, and then, and, yeah, and, and then, then he does a word for word lift. But isn't, like but two, isn't two lines from that joke? There, yeah, there's but, a point. But, there. but isn't that doesn't that make it okay if that you if you know? Line? No, but I mean, I'm saying like you did it. It's an eight year old joke. Yeah. You won an award for it. Yeah. And now he's not winning awards for well, doing no, it. Yeah, but, but you're that, still that, harboring this like I, anger. I'm, I'm not. 
I this the only thing I get angry about is the fact that people tell me that I have to be friends with him. All right, I just don't no, want him. In but my but life. I, I don't I don't think no, it's I don't that think anyone you should, wants yeah, you, you to should. be friends. And with you him. should never. And, and honestly, on any circumstance, even this one, you shouldn't be forced to be friendly with somebody if you can't. You know, inside it just it doesn't yeah. fit. You don't you don't have to mix with everybody. You, you but know, see, there there are certain people like you were saying when he interrupts your conversation. There are just certain people in the world that if that person would walk into a room. I would just be instantly mad. Yeah. When they walk yeah. in. So if I were to come yeah. and you guys were having a conversation and we're at Blue Dog and I come in between and I'm like, hello, and I shake both your hands, I don't think either of you would want to like punch me in the face or like right, think exactly. that I'm doing something uh, outwardly malicious or like with I, any sort of intent. I, I make a point to just ignore him. I don't like he's stabbed me in the back three times. Okay. How many times should I give him a chance to hold a knife? I don't want to do that. So I don't let him in my life. I don't talk to him. I don't let him know anything about how my life is going Mm -hmm. because I don't want to deal with him because I don't trust him. And because of that, now there's other people that he has sucked up to or whatever that go, well, why don't you get along with Mike Mayo? Because he has caused me not to trust him. And I get into these conversations more recently of people saying, well, why don't you, you know, uh, like, why don't you let him make it up to you? Well, because he did, he did he's, mention he, on the podcast. He's yeah. tried making it up to me uh, twice, and then he stabs me in the back again. It's like, uh, okay. he's not a trustworthy individual. We're going to talk to Mike. We're going to get him on the right path. <laughs> Stop pissing people off. Yeah, if that right path leads to a long walk on a short bridge. <laughs> You see what I mean? Like that's hard. Because see, yeah. see, then I, I want to believe you that you want to let it go. <laughs> yeah. But then you can't let it go. The, the last line of everything is clearly you not letting I, it go. I, I, I have let it go. I let it go until people throw it in my face. I, I okay. ignore him. I don't as far – I live most of my life uh, without a thought of Mike Mayo in my mind. Okay. And, and I'm happy to do that. But, but it must be I, – I can – I am going to play devil's advocate for a second because if Mike Mayo is in a room and you're calling him a joke thief, which is one of the worst things you could call a, com- a comic for a comedian yeah. in sure. a room, it's it's a uh, shitty thing to hear from your peers. I, yeah, I, I, you know, I, and if I, I and if he's letting it go or he's trying to make it up to you, I'm that's su- a big reason yeah, to come back. I, I'm I'm surprised, honestly, and it's it's fucked up. I'm not I'm not trying to say that I, uh, I, Mayo's I, better than me or anything, but yeah. if I got if I got even. I don't know how I'd feel. I'd feel not not. I don't know if I'd feel sad. Like it would feel so weird having your peers call. Like I'd feel terrible. Yeah. You know how? Like think about I, it. Okay, just just yeah, to be it's clear, kicking the balls. Just yeah, to be clear. It's the worst. I did that when I was hosting a show uh, at the uh, an open mic show at the Nest, and he went up and did my lines. That's the other thing. Like, I I, I yeah. did. I I was just so shocked and affronted to see him still, even after he's tried to apologize. You know, told people that he still wants to be my friend. Have him go on stage and then do my lines again. You, you know what I think I, I, I'm avoiding, and, and you avoided too, when thinking about this? We're putting ourselves in the shoes of Mayo, like, because he's, it, he did not purposely steal lines, right? But at the same time, we're not putting ourselves in Paul Ash's shoes where it's just Paul constant. is convinced this is, this is a stolen bit, right? So think, think about how you would react in that situation, right? So they're both, that's why there's no, there's no budge here, because they're both, 
uh, one's like you stole my jokes, and the one's like no, I didn't. And there's no there's no middle ground because they both 100 percent are are convinced because that's a it's each their truth. It's not an alternative fact. The truth for for Paul Ash is that that's my joke, or at least those are those are my sentences, right? And Mayo is like no, this is uh, you know just an attachment to something that to me makes sense, and it just sounds like yours. You know what yeah. I mean? So they're both. That's why there's no middle ground. So one person is not going to budge because the other one's continuing as well. That it's a hard place to be in. Like I don't know how I would be in that situation as well. The thing is, if if I'm watching a friend, right, uh, perform, I, I've actually I've, I've said stuff to you uh, along these lines, and I see one of your jokes, and I think a great line to go with it. Do I write my own joke? No, I tell you. That is mm-hmm. true. I, ha- I have done that. Uh, a cu- couple of comics who uh, yeah. I, one that I spoke to yesterday, I, I have given him a good tag because yeah. you can't use it, right? So I, I I've thought of good tags on somebody else's joke. I can't take that joke and then put my tag on it. So after I'll be like, hey. Uh, this is what I thought of this, 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 if you want to take it. And a lot of them do because a lot of them are, like, I have some really funny tags, but I can't steal the joke. That would be fucked up, right? But, that, but that's but it, that's too. But that's what it's, Mayo it's did. A, but but it, this is a, like, revolving door of jokes, right? Yeah. We're not just as good as our last set. We're not just as good as our award-winning joke. You know, we are still going to keep writing new jokes yeah. over and over and over. I, I yeah. don't... Uh, it's it's uh, part it's, of that factory, you know? Uh, again, just to go back to my blog, I've got a thing about joke thieves and, like, try to figure out why they did it, you know, put yourself in their mindset. But one of the things that it comes down to is somebody might steal a joke and that's them admitting that you're funnier and they can't steal your ability to write. But here's the thing. I I don't, again, I don't think, uh, especially because he called your joke hack, I don't think he stole a joke because... That that was when he was painted into a corner. He listened to the recording. He wouldn't let me listen to it. Right after I had even, just heard it, you, you, why would he even listen to it? Right, if he thought you know, if he knew that he stole a joke, that's what I'm saying. Is it doesn't? Yeah. I don't think he thinks. I don't think he purposely stole the joke. But um, I, I can see he, where you're I coming. Think, I think he had heard it enough times that it went sponged into, so, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see that? That's a fucked up line, right? Like you look at Carlos Mencia, for example, who purposely he knew who he stole jokes from, and he even had it fights with people. He says, "Yeah, uh, I'm fucking famous." I'll t-, you know he was, a, yeah. he was a cunt for that, but. In this situation, I don't feel like he purposely stole, but the, I, I guess the way it's being handled, especially <laughs> reacting and saying your joke is, is a, your joke is hack anyway. Ha- obviously, it's going to go downhill from there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Obviously, well, it's going to go downhill. Well, from there. I watched um, one of my favorite comedians in the world. I watched Jimmy Carr's Netflix special, mm-hmm. and he had the same jokes that. Um, Another one of my favorite comedians in the whole world, uh, Patrice O'Neill. I love Patrice. So Jimmy Carr had Patrice O'Neill jokes in his special that came out on Netflix. Like, and I don't know if they're like common. They, they were his jokes about like different sex um, positions. Like, yeah, like the chicken cutlet. And oh, all that's that what stuff. Amy Schumer did too, right? Yeah. So she got in trouble for that. But it's still the same thing, you know. Yeah. Like, and Patrice obviously isn't even around to defend himself. So what do you do at that point? You know, what is but the But is, like, is it he, here's the thing about that. that. That's a bit was it line for line verbatim stolen or was it a premise of sexual positions that were different cuz there's there's all these fine lines, I know, right? That's like, why I don't, you know, like for for me, look, the 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 only reason I I, I hold on to it was cuz it was word for word. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's that's different though. That's Yeah. You but, freak out. You freak yeah. out, like because I don't know. And that's it. if if I'm in, in in your shoes, I don't know how I'd react. I remember one time Andy Andy Tenloin called me. He was at the Comedy Nest, and it was a joke I used to have about the movie Airbud. I haven't done it in years, and um, he's like, "Dude, there is an open micer doing your full joke right now, word for word." 
And I was like, call him on it when he gets off fucking stage, you know, call. But I go in the end, I don't really, I don't use it anymore. But it's a little weird that he would have the balls to see me do it on one open mic and then do my fucking joke. But I, I, I was aggressive at the beginning and then I told him, you don't talk to him about it, but I don't really care because I don't use it. But it wouldn't bother as much as a joke that I'm doing now. If I'm doing a joke now that's killing and I hear somebody else do it, I'll, I'll fucking lose my shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or and, they're like, and if they change a bit of it, I'll fucking lose my mind. But you kind of know who steals and who doesn't. Like you could tell. Like uh, a lot, a lot, some people wouldn't be. I wouldn't be comfortable saying somebody else's words, right? Yeah, yeah I wouldn't have yeah. fun. It would be like you're just miming. It but wouldn't be the most stuff is like most of the stuff I write is stories about my life or or my my perspective on stuff. Oh, uh, I, I want to clear up one thing because I mentioned Andy Tenderloins. Uh, me and Leonard <laughs> Yell told him there's no way this is true. <laughs> he said uh, on the podcast, he goes, and Paul Ash, uh, I feel like he doesn't like me. Like, uh, can we confirm that he, and me and, and me and Leonard tell him there's no way, you, there's no, why would Paul Ash hate you? He's like, I get that feeling <laughs> from Paul Ash. He goes, I think because I'm associated with Mayo. We told him there's no way it's true. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I I don't really even know him that well. Okay, so. with I I, I, I I personally hate his guts. <laughs> like, no, but so do you the see, wrong Paul. But do, but do you see do you <laughs> no. see the perception right? He thinks because yeah. he's associated with Mayo and Mayo, they, he he felt that way. And Leonard, who who kind of spoke for you because he knows you more more than I do, he even said he goes, "There's no there's no way, you know, like if that's a beef and that's really happening, that's one thing. But there's no way that he's spreading it." Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, fuck that guy too, you know? Oh, yeah. you, you go to that grocery store? Fuck that grocery store. Yeah. You know what I mean? But for, for you and Mike Mayo, yeah, I honestly think that obviously it escalated little things like that, like the hack comment, and you know, with the recording, that obviously would escalate it. I'm just happy not having him in my life, and that's all I want. That's And I just really hate it when people shove enough. that in my face. That's yeah. fair enough. Yeah, well, I, I was I was just curious more to find out the, the details of it, especially because I don't like hearing stuff from one side only. Yeah, I don't. it's not fair. It's not fair because if you hear it from one side, because... Mike Mayo's perception, I'm not saying he's lying, but I'm saying Mike Mayo has a perception. He sees it one way. He doesn't know what you're thinking, right? So he sees it his way. He's like, look, I told him I didn't steal the joke. He, I keep trying to shake his hand, right? Uh, he doesn't want to hear it. He just calls me a joke thief. Whereas then we get your perception of, I told him just to stay away from me. I'm not going to do anything. But he keeps coming up to me. He puts his hand out. I say, I don't want it. And that's when I get aggressive. Do you know there's two? Yeah. Uh, it's not that anybody's wrong in this. It's just that they're both, they have their own perception. They shouldn't be forced to coexist. You know, they're, they're not going to get along, even if they're not going to get along, even if they agree to it was stolen or it wasn't stolen, they're not going to get along even after that. Like, it's not, you know, and you don't the, have to get along with everybody. For, for, you don't. That's the thing. You don't. People like have this, this really like terrible, yeah. terrible like mindset that they like that everyone has to like them. You you know. And no, it's, no, fuck it's, it. And you don't have to like everybody either. There's it's, people that rub me the wrong way. Me too. Oh, absolutely. Man. I'm trying to remember. There was a comedy album. That was labeled "I'm not for everyone." <laughs> that was that was. The, that, that's the best thing about comedy, yeah. right? Yeah, but it's true. You're not. You know, you're like, not. No. Even if you're the biggest comic in the world, you'll walk into a room and there'll be someone in that audience who's gonna be like, "Fuck this guy or girl." Like you know, all at some point. Like I'm 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 friends with Mike Mayo, right? Uh, I call him on his nonsense. He calls me on mine. You know what I mean? Uh, and he knows how he is. I know how he is. We've never gotten into a tussle about something like this. He's never lifted a joke from anything like that. So I don't have any reason to believe that he would do it. But at the same time, I don't feel like, uh, especially seeing things from your perspective, you should be forced to like somebody no, just because I'm friends with yeah. him. No, because I could see it from your shoes too. If I was in your shoes, right, and I felt like he stole, it doesn't matter if he did or not. If I if this line is the same and I felt it, I can't be forced to fucking be friends with somebody. Do you know yeah. what I mean? If I don't. You know, it's about it's about perspective too, you know. Yeah, that's why you don't get you always yeah. get one side of the story, and you're like, oh well, no, he should be okay with it. Well, but in the there, end, no. there there's a certain comedian uh, in Montreal who would just not even talk shit behind my back, but like right to my face. 
Really? You know, like in front of uh, comedy club owners. Like, um, <laughs> yeah, a guy who, uh, I don't want to say his name, but who worked at uh, at uh, at the works as like a sound and lighting guy. Oh, you know? so, so sort of we that narrows it down. I know. So, so <laughs> really? we, all, we all know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and but I remember, no one takes I remember. Him seriously. No, but that's it. No one takes him seriously. Wait, but so you're did, giving if you're I, giving that power to Mike and you're being like he's he definitely has this sort of impact on my life, then you're still giving him that that power to affect you. You you see what I'm saying? For the most I, part, I don't, I don't it, want to. I don't want this to sound like it, intervention. It's only <laughs> psychosocial. It's like, uh, listen, the, Paul. The, 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 the thing is, it's like uh, I, I gave that kid a lot. Yeah, and all he did was shit on me. So why do I want to give him anything more? Yeah, you don't have to. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, honestly, this 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 is a situation that nobody could intervene in because this is a hundred percent a personal. But if you're just gonna get mad about it. Then there's but, nothing there. You know, but then, again, then I'm you're just I'm, always triggering it over and over. You're going to be stuck in this hell. Of I, you like know what? But again, I'm going into the perspective I, I went, thing. I went through about three years where I didn't see or hear from him. <laughs> and I was pretty damn happy. Yeah. Considering, uh, you know, like, like my parents died in that time period. Like, I, it, it was good not to have to deal with it. Yeah. Well, you just got, yeah, you got to learn to like uh, move on and let it, let it go. You know, yeah, in, all, you, in all sense. So like life's transient, you know, even with jokes, you're like, well, yeah, so that joke is done, and I'm letting it go, and I'm moving on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Bring, bring the mic closer. You can yeah. like this. You can just drag I, I, it. I get... Uh, I get uh, but if you only can lean all the way back and just bring it with you. Right? Yeah. But uh, no, it's, but it's fucking interesting that even this scene, right, it's a small scene. Yeah. And most of us, you know, we'll get along and stuff, but there's always that with certain people, something will happen, and you'll just... Uh, well, you, you know how I dealt with... Uh, that certain guy? You <laughs> <laughs> took care of him in the back no, alley. No, honestly, it might sound crazy. I forget who, who I had this conversation with, but I started just every time I saw him, instead of being instantly mad the way that I used to be, I would go in because I knew I had to see him every week. I would go in and I would treat him like he's the most beautiful person in the world. And I would do it's it really very nice, sarcastically. Nice to him. But I do it very sarcastically, like with like, you know, doughy eyes staring at this guy instead of being angry with him and it really it made me feel like all this stress was just like off me i'd treat treat him like not that he's like a piece of shit i would just treat him like oh my god you know like overly enthusiastic that, that, that about was a great him. that was a great light <laughs> yeah you just lit him at the right yeah, moment perfect oh yeah give him he gave me three lights <laughs> all in a row. This is beautiful, you know. Like, I don't know if we're talking about the same person, um, but I th- he he did comedy too, right? I, I, yeah, and he okay. still does. And I, I see him. Okay, and, and then I and saw I him like a month him. ago. We were on the same him, show, yeah. and he was actually really funny. I had never seen him before. We talked a bit. He was actually really funny. Since he stopped there, he was telling me like uh, he loves comedy so much more. You see, and he's maybe like, he was just upset at the time, and then you there was something about you that fucking rubbed him the wrong way. Yeah, for sure. I'm not saying it's I, right. I just have that face. You, you were know? you were young, talented, and <laughs> handsome. Yeah. So you were everything he wasn't. But yeah, everybody keeps talking shit. Always be him. like, oh, girl, girls would like come to like shows and shit, and they'd ask for me, and he'd be like, that's oh, hilarious, you know, like. Hey, he was going through some shit too. You don't know what somebody's. Yeah, he yeah. salted my game one one night. <laughs> really? Back back when I was single. Yeah. Uh, it was like I was chatting with a girl she had lost her keys and i had found the keys and we were talking and uh then he came up he says oh so you're using the key trick again oh this fucking guy <laughs> this cock block yeah some people i don't know it's uh but we're, we're a small community you know it's uh yeah it's better if, if we're tighter 
You know what I mean? Get along with each other. But something that happens, you can't you can't avoid you can't it. get along you can't, with everybody. Yeah, you, you can't avoid it. There's gonna be certain people that even if there's there's no underlining cause, some people you just don't mix. It's, like, ah. it's a narcissistic game. It's not. Uh, it's yeah, not like it's not like we're like yo. This is a comedy team. I know, I know, you know but comedy but so, teams don't last. But but admit it. Aren't you happy? Like if if I don't know. One, you see Rodney. You see me, one of your friends in comedy. You see them do something, do well. Or if you see one of them get Conan, aren't you like you you can't help it. You're happy. Yo, it's a personal. It's a when like I, I feel like there are certain comedians in the world that I've worked with or seen, and when I see them getting things, you feel happy. I, I, yeah, I feel like it's a personal yeah, victory. That, that, that's what happened to me with Kate Trev when he went on uh, yeah. on uh, Conan. He was No, he was on Kimmel. Kimmel, yeah. Uh, for me, it was like a pay-per-view event. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. I was fucking excited. My girlfriend was watching. She was like, oh, yeah, it's like, oh, it's Kate Trev. It was, it was like a team thing. You know what I mean? There's yeah. certain, you can't help it. So I don't understand. Those, the people that I can't get along with is the people who let it show that they're not happy when one of us succeeds. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. That I can't handle. Because like, really, it doesn't change anything for you. Their success doesn't equate to your failure, right? Yeah. But we're all in this together on some level. You know what I mean? We're all uh, peers. We're all, we're all friends. We're all working this. So fuck, man. Be happy. It doesn't, it doesn't, be, it doesn't make you go down by them going up. You yeah, I mean? they're not just using you as a step. Yeah, know? it's it's yeah. It, it's comedy. You know, just keep doing your thing. But you got to be happy. Like this, K. Trev is the best example because I was like I was like a little girl. It was like uh, your teammate of the playoffs. Yeah, you know, uh, and, and it's not just him. There's certain people too. You see them, they're getting somewhere, and you're like, fuck yeah, you know that, that that's ours. Yeah. That's that's our yeah. Day. Like when I saw Sagan get that standing ovation during the uh, during the Winnie Cummings gala, I was like, fucking right, that's my man. boy. Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you're screaming at the TV like, yeah. You know, like how many open mics did I have to grind through with that guy, like at the back of the room type of shit, you know? It's just, you become, you have this sense of like, everyone's winning. Yeah. If tomorrow you'd get something like that, you know, I'd say on TV, I'd, you can, it's it's a reflex, I'll be excited. But like yeah. if I know Paul Ash, he was on the show, fucking right, let's go, you know, like you can't help it. You know what I mean? Uh, unless you're a dick and those other, there's people on the scene that are like that and I've stopped hanging out. I don't talk, you know, I don't, cause I can't handle it. I'll, I'll hear them say something like, oh, that guy's that. He's a fucking loser. I can't believe they put him on that show. It changes nothing for you that that person's on that fucking show. Let them go on the fucking show. What do you care? Let them be yeah. happy. Let them earn something they're working at. It doesn't belittle your work yeah. doing it. You know what I mean? If anything, you know, it might motivate you to work harder. It's true. There's that too. The, the, the psyche yeah. of it, right? Sometimes you see something and you're like, you know what? Fuck. If, if they made it there with that level i could i could do i could yeah. do something with it, it makes it like it makes it more like uh tangible for you because it's this person that you do know and it's not this like this seinfeld or this person yeah. who's like humongous and completely untouchable it's like a real person that like does shows where it. you do shows you know paul you, you had done um what, what's what's your end goal like where you what did you want okay when you started what did you want and now has anything changed uh, I just wanted laughs, and did that uh, change? Do you want tears? Uh, <laughs> What's blood? It, 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 ha- it hasn't. I, I, like Paul, I've dabbled in, in the acting game, uh, yeah. and I generally I view that as a way to fund me being on stage, uh, because you know it's uh, my goal is to just to be on the road, say forty, fifty weeks a year. That would be great. Uh, do you do you want to do you like the road? Do you like I, I hate the road. <laughs> uh, there's certain aspects of the road. I I I mean I love performing in, in different clubs or seeing I like places. That. And, and I mean I got uh, did Berlin a year and a half ago now, and that was such a beautiful city. Just you know just to to kick around in in the day and 
so many great rooms as well. Um, it, it's I, I, I like uh, I don't pack well. That's that's kind of crap. Um, it's a, it's always like I'm going. Why the fuck do I have such a big bag? I, I overpack. Yeah. Yo, I underpack. Oh. I, use, I use a backpack. Like when I went to Toronto a couple months ago, I did uh, Tuesday to Monday, and I had uh, a backpack, and that's it. And I washed everything that I had like midweek, and then I just did it again. And, and honestly, it was so freeing. I normally bring like a big uh, like a carry on or whatever and i was like fuck it i'm just gonna see what i could do with this backpack and it made me feel so good about being on the road i don't know why i'll go for three days and i have a big su- i have my carry-on which is normally a computer and i have a big fucking suitcase well look and at your hair man in, you but that's like thing, there's a, hairspray in there yeah. there's shampoo conditioner there's clothes sometimes <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll before i get my haircut oh. <laughs> yo i've seen pat tell remember uh the hairspray yeah, 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 months ago, like he, you, he came in and he's like oh, i can't do this and then he gets hairspray and then all of a sudden, his whole persona just changed. <laughs> the he was, he's so excited about the show. Was, yeah, we were backstage. Was, yeah, he finessed them. himself. It was like it was perfect. But I, all Isn't my friends tell us like actually a brand of, it, of air it should be like Vidal Sassoon. Vidal But I can't. The, you know what bothers me? Like I like going and and I'll, I'll I'll go for a couple of days, do do a gig, and then come back home. I don't like the constant travel. So like. Well, yeah, what, yeah. what about the transition yeah, tra- from one place to another yeah. instead of going back home? For Sugar us. Sammy was what f- almost five years completely on the road. Like he had his stuff in his parents' basement. Yeah, yeah. Some people could do it. Some people yeah, are. Some people and, could do it. Uh, I'm uh, Ron Jossel's like on the road like fifty years. I'm not 50, 50 weeks out of a year. It's crazy. I'm envious of those people. I'm not mad at them. I'm envious because I can't. I, do I can't. It. I, I can't do that do either. It. I have a dog at home that I want to like. Yeah cuddle with and shit like, yeah i that's my girlfriend would be pissed. I, I i couldn't have a i don't i could never own a i could never have a pet because i i if i get somebody to call up say hey, can you get to calgary uh this weekend i would go yeah okay and uh, you know i don't want to have to worry about making sure somebody feeds that dog yeah um you, you have kids paul uh gotta say no uh because when they have their own lease they're not really a kid anymore Oh, divorce? Uh, huh? Uh, uh, well, yeah, I'm divorced, but I, I had a I had a daughter when I was really uh, early twenties. Okay. Uh, she's uh, just got married. Uh, oh, okay. A year I thought you meant ago. when you said lease. Okay, I, I get it now. I thought you meant like you yeah. you have her on weekends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you lease her for I, a bit. I, I, but you meant she's an adult. To, yeah, she's an okay, adult. Okay. It's, she's yeah. not a kid. I don't. Have oh, okay, a kid. okay. I've got okay. an adult. Okay. Okay, yeah. okay. I thought, yeah, I thought uh, I only get to see them on the weekend, <laughs> yeah. uh, which which still would have been a reason to make it tough on you to, to travel because well, yeah, it, it, you can oh, do your gigs on the like weekend. I'm actually the final papers are not signed, but I'm I'm getting a divorce right now, and one of the main things was like um, I met my the woman I married at a comedy club. I, I did a show, and then we met. And we we really hit it off, and. and we got married like uh, two and a half years later. It's perfect timing. Uh, and, uh, you know, she made me really happy. And then I started doing more and more shows. I, I started doing more and more road work, and she wasn't happy. She didn't like me being away. She didn't understand uh, the idea of saving like one third of your, your income to for tax time so you could, you know, pay your taxes. Like she she didn't, she didn't, the entire mindset of being creative, like the idea that I would be home during the day, like, you know, I spent three years with no other job but comedy. 
and it was like she she was miserable at that time because I was out at nights or I was away for weeks on end. And so I curtailed what I was doing because I loved her. But then I got miserable and I got diagnosed with clinical depression. And uh, 2013, December 11th, 2013, I remember she came home in tears. She said, look, uh, I love you. But uh, I'm miserable when you're on the road and you're miserable when you're home. And there's no way that we could be together without one of us being miserable. That sucks. And so we remain friends. We're not really close friends. Uh, and I've got a new relationship right now that I, I'm, you know, really digging. And uh, she seems to dig me. Is she okay with the comedy? Very much okay. She actually, she used to be, uh, she used to work as a researcher for CBC. Uh, she's a librarian. She's got two masters. Uh, she's very intelligent and she's very much understands the art scene. Nice. So she's, uh, yeah, she's actually been pushing me on, on doing more things like getting a love doctor book together and, uh, doing Battlecom, uh, making, trying to get Battlecom like at least a web series happening. That'd be uh, smart actually. But I, you, you brought me to Battlecom once. That was fun. I had a good time. People enjoyed it too in the crowd cause they, they interact, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. they had a good time. I remember I did it once you had invited me last minute on a Saturday to come on a Sunday, yeah. but it was fun. I had a good time. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it seems to be it's like it's a sports event for the brain, oh. right? And it's it's all about being the funny, and, oh, yeah. and audiences love it. And uh, yeah, it's it's a show concept that was really proud. It was a uh, um, it grew out of a yo, yo mama battle. Uh, remember, were you on one of the teams when uh, Joanne uh, you know, Mob Trial Joanne? Did, yes, did, yeah. yes, I was on did, a real mama battle. She did an I Ottawa. I do remember that now. You, you talked shit about someone's mama? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That I was, like that that was when my mom had cancer <laughs> the first time. And uh, they were talking shit about your mother? Well, no. Joe came to me and oh. she said, look, I, I want to put together uh, this Yo Mama battle, like Ottawa versus Montreal, but I don't know how to work it. And so I watched some and then I, okay, well, we want to make sure it's fast paced. So I came up with the voting system that we ended up using for Battlecom. And that that was that was the thing is I, I was the moderator for this Yo Mama battle, and I was going okay. The crowd really likes this, but I'm finding it repetitive. It's all Yo Mama. Like, what if there was other questions to deal with? And then it became the master debates, uh, and then uh, I got the chance to do it for Comic Con, and so we had to be a bit cleaner. Uh, yeah. And so we went okay. Well, it's battle comedy, battle com. I like that. I like, I like finding out the evolution of something, how it started, and where. You know, what we don't do here, which we should roast battles. Yeah. I love a good roast. Mm. I'd be good at that. I did. Yeah, yeah. Just I did one uh, with uh, Guido Grasso, Leonard Yell, and uh, Mike Patterson. We didn't do a roast oh, battle. You roasted some people in the we backyard. Roasted, no, yeah, we roasted in a uh, in RDP. Uh, this like uh, four is his fortieth birthday. Like, yeah, I heard about yeah, this. We we've we've done yeah. we've done some roasts. Like we did the roast to China went tour. Yeah, we did. Uh, oh, trying to got roasted. Yeah, was it fun? I didn't do it. Uh, Monsieur Renault, which was uh, the w- one of the first, the second regular host of the uh, of the Wiggle Room Vaudeville show. Uh, he, when he moved to New York, we did a roast of him, and it was great because I like I grilled his girlfriend and got all this background information because he used to be a circus acrobat. Oh God, uh, just ripped him, and, and just it, he was like sitting there going, "How do you know this?" <laughs> 
So like we dug deep. Yeah. And Even, it, oh, it, it, oh, it was, it was oh, there's videotape on it where like he actually there was a couple of burlesque performers tied him to uh, a chair and covered him in, in, in lipstick kisses. Uh, he was he basically he's more Superman than you are. Uh, so so I used to call you the the Filipino Superman. Yeah, the you Filipino and, uh, Theo. Yeah. yeah. How come? Uh, uh, Dean Kane. Well, if you if you see him wearing wearing yeah. the glasses and wearing he's got his hair like funny. perfectly quaffed. Yeah. Perfectly quaffed. Yeah. Yeah. Theo Theo still calls me uh, Dean Kane from time to time. Yeah. Do you? Because yeah. you do you do the shows at the Wiggle Room. Yeah. Uh, you, you also mix it up, right? You use the burlesque and all that. Uh, Waterville, well, the thing is, is I guess one of the good things that sort of came out of the, the, the collapse of the, the kick-ass comedy show was my name was put around as somebody who puts together good shows. And so when the Wiggle Room was opening up, they wanted somebody to organize a variety show. And uh, why a variety show? I, I never understood this because be, because it's a burlesque bar, so the right? backbone is burlesque. But but why don't they do burlesque shows? Right? Because there's no such thing really as a burlesque open mic, right? Because oh, right, right. there's there's a lot of costuming. There, there's a lot of work to coming up with a burlesque routine. And when you do it, you can't really repeat it. You know, it's not like seeing the same guy going up and doing the same five. So what you're saying is, when burlesque dancers come to your uh, variety show. They go on after uh, a comedian. They're mixing the, it up. The set that they do, that burlesques, they're not going to do it again? Though the, They might be workshopping it. They might be preparing it for a bigger show. Uh, it's just on a Wednesday night to get out. Well, okay. Now it's it's kind of good. But when the show first started, I was out of pocket because I made sure that the burlesque performers at least got paid a minimum. Right? You know, they they just they don't go and buy lingerie off the rack. Everything is handmade. Uh, for them, yeah, right? it's just, they I, do it I know it's not easy. Yeah, they do it because yeah. they love yeah. doing it, and, and I mean they can make a living at it. Uh, you know, when you, when you get to a certain level, but you got to start somewhere. So you got to practice, and it's like uh, stand up, but it's, with clothes off. Yeah. yeah, it's like stand up with that whole uh, arts and crafts part that you got to build stuff. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. You know, we build jokes. jokes. They're yeah. building like a stage and some lingerie, and it's gotta be their pain. persona. They really have to like it's a strong persona. Yeah, they persona they driven. we sell stuff with words. They have to do with just their face. Yeah, and right. boobs and boobs. Yeah, I've, I've done, I've done two sets where I didn't say anything the whole time. Really? Yeah. Two, Both the theater two stand up. Sets. Yeah, two stand up sets where I didn't say a, a single thing. You just stood there. Well, we did a show with Rodney, uh, where it's like the anonymous show. Okay. So we all wore masks. So you wore a oh, mask, and right, people could right. say whatever they want, and blah blah blah. But I remember I did seven minutes, and I just. I told a story about like just me walking into this place and there's all these like different types of animals and stuff. But you didn't, you, didn't, you didn't say it I didn't speech? say a single word. How did you say the story? Uh, I like mimed, mimed everything it. coming up. That's He's a great actor, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Sometimes. Booyah. <laughs> fucking. But it was fun. That that was, after that, I was like, this is fucking amazing. Even when I did, I did a fringe, uh, a fringe play where I had to do play a futuristic robot and I didn't say anything at all. But I had like the voiceover um, talking about the future and how like it's 2035 and the world's owned by Pepsi. That's funny. <laughs> and um, and it was just like that was like four minutes of me saying nothing at all. And it's kind of like freeing because like, you know, we're so used to just blah, blah, blah. You want to fill up the air. Yeah. You want to fill up that air. You want, you know, especially, you know, you host a lot of shows, Paul. Like, yeah. You can't just sit there and say nothing because the audience will be like, what's going on? 
That, that's actually one of the uh, I, I when I was in Toronto just a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, and I, I was doing some sets, and this person came up to me. He says, "Like you, you don't talk a lot in your set because I like I do quiet facial stuff a lot. I do mm-hmm. like these little reactions, mm-hmm. and some of that is you know you 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 learn from the masters." Right, watching watching how they react to certain things and, yeah. and how they can bring the audience in, and a stand up's got to learn not to be afraid of silence. Yeah, it's your friend. Exactly, it, it helps you punctuate. One of my also favorite, it shows you shows if the if the audience is silent with you, that shows how much control you have. Yeah, when you hear like that's it. When you're in the middle of a joke and you're getting to the punchline, and there's this moment of like silence, and, but they're attentive. They're yeah. just well, that's that's all their eyes silent. are on you. Yeah. Oh, that's a beautiful, beautiful yeah. moment. It's power. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You were commanding that room. One of the guys who's his silent, uh, Dan Bingham. Whenever I'd watch him, his use of silence, mm-hmm. I absolutely loved watching that. Like, you know how he just sit, and just like shake his head, and then everyone's just like, yeah. Those are amazing moments. Yeah, I love those are those. yeah, those are unique. Yeah, you know what I started doing at open mics, especially at the Nest, uh, to get because you got to get comfortable with the silence, but you also have to get comfortable with not killing and not always using um, the jokes you have in your back pocket. So there's certain weeks where I'll go on, and I won't even enter the the new competition. Right, I'll just talk about ideas, about whatever, I'll take those five minutes and see if I could form a joke out of something. And what happened after the first week is that after the first minute or two where I was like, no, don't go to a joke, don't go to a joke, don't go to a joke, I became comfortable on stage with not getting the laughs. Mm. Then I started to become comfortable with formulating new jokes on the spot. Yeah. Right? And you, what I realize a lot of people here don't take advantage of open mic. They treat it like it's a, it's a showcase always for just for laughs. And they don't... They don't progress. They don't get better. They don't evolve. And I was guilty of it for the longest time too. I'd go to open mics and I would do uh, sets that I know work. There's yeah. no point. But you know, we could talk about comedy all day and you could talk about your set and you could talk about joke structure, but none of it is compared to the experience of actually doing it. Exactly. Yeah. So that guy who's been doing 50 open mics and every single open mic has been the exact same, he's not going to have that level of comfort that you have, you know, stepping out of it, even being himself. Yeah, when someone's like, "Oh, be yourself," that's the worst. Yeah, what does that mean? Yeah, I, now, then you start being like, "Who am I?" Yeah, who, uh, <laughs> I thought it was myself. It's weird. It's true. I've heard that a lot. They're like, "Hey, th- you should just be more yourself." I was like, "Well, yeah. I didn't know I was less of someone." Like, you know, you're you hanging out with your friends, and they're like, "Oh my god, you know, you're just funny being <sighs> yourself." And it's like, <laughs> "I've been that for years." Yeah, stop it's, it's it, screwing it, me up. The thing that hurts me is watching somebody go up, and you can tell that they have the entire set memorized. Note oh by yeah. Note. yeah. It doesn't and, feel natural. And, and it's the same set they've been doing for the past three years. You'd think they'd get yeah. to a level where they could play it off as, as, as uh, just it, talking. But I, I felt like that. Some, oh, sometimes fuck, it happens. Fuck, I felt it, like that like last week. And you catch yourself doing it and you hate it, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, sometimes it, I'm like, okay, I got to slow down. It feels, it feels uh, scripted. Some, yeah. some of the best advice is like when you're telling a joke, remember why it was funny to you when you wrote it. Yeah, you put yourself back yeah. there, right? And and because there's so many subtle body cues and facial tics that come out while you are remembering why something is funny that yeah. the audience will pick up, and, and it's humanizing to you. Yeah, a, it's like the, the the jokes that always stick with me uh, that I'll still feel comfort doing that I, I was doing like year one in stand up are just the ones that I know are very true. 
Yeah, the your life stories. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm like, you know, this isn't encapsulated within a certain amount of time filled with like pop references and stuff. It's just all me, like now, you know, living back in that moment. Paul, what's what your happened? oldest joke? What's the oldest joke you still do? The oldest joke that I still do? Or um, line, if it's evolved into something else. The This line that I still do is, uh, uh, my girlfriend invited me to sleep over at her place the other night. Uh, but she didn't want to have sex, so the next morning I took her out to breakfast, no food. I like that. Yeah. And that was one of the first, that was maybe in my like first or second open mic that I, I did that joke. And it's it's, jokes that stay I was with like, you, yeah. wow, this is still funny to me, you know, like, for whatever uh, reason. Uh, now, as much as we talked about, like, original, uh, the oldest joke I do, I didn't write. Interesting. Uh, you I, mimed it. Uh, well, no, it was, uh, I went to go to, to primary, like first day of school ever. And one of my older brothers took me aside. He says, look, you're going to have to stand up and say your name. This is what you say. They'll ask you to stand up and say your name. This is what you say. And he told me what to say. And I went and I did it. I got sent to the principal's office, but I had no idea like how much grief he saved me for my entire life. So this line has wormed its way into several different jokes, but it's, it's just, hello, my name is Paul Ash. I'm pretty glad my parents named me Jack. Right. And, and that doing that in great primary meant that the joke was spent. Like no one else could use that to hurt me. Uh, you know, making fun of my last name. Like so it sort of saved me. Yeah. It saved me. And it's, it's a, it's a nice quick little line that I can, anything, you know, mentioning names or, or whatever I can pop that into a joke and it, it works. And it was my brother kind of, you know, was looking out for me. Was it easy to make fun of somebody called Ash back in the day? Yeah. Seriously. Well, but, now I think because of Evil Dead, Ash is a hero yeah, or, Poke- a- a- or Ash, Pokemon. Ash is a, well, yeah, that I couldn't wear a red <laughs> baseball cap for like five years. But uh, yeah, it's, it's Ash is a, like, it's so close to ass. Right? Oh, yeah. it's, a little too close. Yeah. Bart. Yeah. Yeah. Bart's easy to make fun of. Fart. Okay, yeah. yeah. I had one of those last names too. What's, actually, what's, your, what's your last name? Paludakis. That's a serious last name. You can make yeah, fun of that I, though because it's so long, right? I, but crap. I'm sure everyone how, how many, in your how school many letters in your, how many how, how many letters in your first name? Just Pantelis' uh, P-A-N-T-E-L-I-S. He's never counted it before. That's long. Yeah, eight. 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 All right, I have seven letters in my name. In your whole... <laughs> like Paul I start Ash. with eight. I, I already start with eight. I'm already ahead. Yeah, it's it's like uh, I've I've oh I was doing uh, I was hosting a show in uh, New Brunswick, in Moncton, New Brunswick, and uh, this woman was way too drunk, and she she recently had given birth uh, while drunk. Yeah, probably. And uh, so I asked her, you know, what her kid's name was, and uh, then it was Xavier Alexander. I'm saying, man, you're really hoping that kid can learn to spell quick. Yeah, holy shit. <laughs> Xavier Alexander. Why would you fuck a kid up like that? It's yeah. a big name. Oh, it's two X's. Yeah. Yeah. It's too many X's. Double X. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they're going to call him. Yo, double X. I really He's hope that be kid really is fat. that cool. That's uh, his street name. Yeah, he has to be fat <laughs> to wear the shirts, right? He's like, yo, I'm double X. I live with it. Yeah. I'm cool with it. I'm owning oh, it. Oh, if, yeah. if the last name begins with an L, that oh, would be... Oh, that would be hilarious, right? <laughs> double XL. <laughs> like it's fucked. It's we already fucked. know. You, that kid's life is ruined. Yeah. We already know. it. Yeah. Let's all laugh at him now. Uh, yeah. Something so happened to him. She listens to this podcast. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> Pat, tell us. Uh, mostly Paul Ash. He's the one who brought it up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Someone else to hate me. 
they were. It's, uh, I don't think anybody hates. It. I think even even Mayo had mentioned that he has no uh, no hate or anything. He just he just he finds it. Um, uh, he wants to squash the beef and he doesn't know how. Is the invent a time machine? It's the only way. Be a you, better person. But that's the thing. It's fucked up when when there's no when there's nothing you could do to make it yeah. right. Right. Well, that's it. Sometimes you know, like if there's anything in my thirties that has been the overarching um, uh, theme or whatever that that I could think of, uh, it's that I've. It's just one word. It's acceptance. Yeah, like I'm accepting everything as it is in the world. I'm not trying to change it. I don't feel like I need to like change everybody's opinions about things. I don't feel like I have like my ego in my 20s was like more of an impact thing for me where I was like trying to I was like, oh, come on, guys, you could change your opinion about this. Yeah. But you know, and I'd always try so hard and yeah, I'd hold yeah. on to it. And now I don't know. You just I just find like having that mentality makes my life a lot more peaceful. I find that I'm getting there too. I, I used to be more like, oh no, why, why? And now I'm more like, yeah, well, you don't like it. Fuck, it, I don't care why. Like, yeah. What am I gonna do? Like, be happy. That's it. Be happy. Yeah. You don't have to like what I like. You don't have to like me. It's, you know, how am I, how am I gonna help somebody by forcing them to do something they don't want to do? It's the complete opposite, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. You're, you're you're causing them distress. You're you're putting somebody in a fucking shitty, anxious mood for nothing. You yeah. Know? And yourself, you're doing it to yourself yeah. ultimately. You know, and then at the end of the day, you could blame whomever it is out there, you know, for 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 making you feel that way. But ultimately, it's your yourself that's doing it. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a mind fuck. You know, we never, uh, I never like depression, right? Because you mentioned you had went through about depression, but we don't, uh, as comics, I don't feel like we we talk about it enough. Do you know what I mean? Uh, or I, at all? I did. Uh, there was a night I was supposed to be clo- closing the nest. And as I was going on, just before I went on, Rodney came in. They said, oh, he's going to be after you. And I said, well, I, I've got 10 minutes planned and I'm going on. So I'm going to do it. I did a 10-minute set on depression. Really? It was uh, just after Robin Williams died. And it was while I was dealing with therapy and not good medication. And it was the most cathartic thing to do. And apparently it was like it had been a, a really rough crowd that night. But I... Like I got them. And you feel so when you when you're speaking felt, from the heart, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it was, and I, I, you know, occasionally I'll just re-listen to the old audio clip just to see, okay, what can I still use from that? What can I get away well, with? Was it funny or was it more telling than anything? Uh, it was funny. Like one of the lines that definitely you know has aged out and couldn't be used because this is the day after Robin Williams died. It was. Uh, uh, was saying uh, one of the reasons Robin, Rob, uh, one thing I know about Robin Williams is no one's calling him a joke thief anymore. <laughs> Do you think Dennis Leary and Carlos Mencia will take the hint? Uh, That's actually going to go kill yourself. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which, you know, it's not, that doesn't fit in any of my, my routine, but like there was funny shit. In that, that. That, that actually is funny. Yeah. yeah. That's actually, I like that. Well, com- comedians are pretty depressing people. Yeah. Not, not all though, like, <laughs> because a lot are, a lot are you. And we've talked about this too, where you deal, and you're like, "Fuck, man, this guy's such a downer." But there's a lot of people you could get along with too. I, yeah. I think it's because we see things differently, and and we we personalize a lot of things. We, uh, we, we also take it maybe to see the big picture a bit better. Uh, yeah. as, as it is, I'm no longer on. Uh, I've not been given the 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 clear, but I'm. Part of the thing was was like. Uh, 
do doctors know the difference between clinical depression and just having a shit year? Because that, w- that was the year that my parents yeah. died. That was the year that, that I, I was going through the divorce. That yeah, was... you, you see, it's, all, it's all preventative measures from the doctors. Yeah. yeah uh, but the, what I don't like is the, the whole drugs. Yeah. Uh, Yo, when I, so when yeah, I was so. uh, 19, I was uh, diagnosed with uh, clinical depression and I was on uh, Celexa and Ativan. And uh, maybe for three months, so I have a joke. One of my first, my first closer ever was about uh, being diagnosed with depression. Yeah. And, um, and it was just that like window of time where I took those medications that made me realize that I don't want to take medication anymore. Yeah. yeah. And I, I pretty much just started smoking weed. Uh, and that helped you out. Yeah. And you make friends. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, you know, like hashtag Bell. Let's talk. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Fuck <laughs> Bell's such a shitty corporation, yeah, though. They, Bell, they depress man. their employees, and then they're fuck talking about them. depression. Uh, well, yeah, yeah well, they I, fired. I, they fired actually one of their DJs for being depressed. But yeah, she's like I, really. I, I, the, yeah, the, uh, uh, um, uh, a host. Uh, Saskatchewan. Uh, yeah. Was this Saskatchewan? I think it was like East Coast. This is recent. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, the, this came out this year during their. There's like November or something. They um, they let her go because she wanted some time off to. Uh, she wanted some time off to uh, to get right to, to yeah to get right in the head, and after they're like okay well then they fired her. That's fucked. Yeah, yeah. I, it's I, I my big thing for the Bell Let's Talk is like you know hashtag as much as possible. Let's see if we can bankrupt them. Because what are the what are the <laughs> that uh, giant multinational two cents evil for corporation? Each five five cents five for each cents. tweet. Yeah. You think that's real? You think they're gonna calculate all those tweets and give? I don't I don't fucking buy it. I don't know. I still pay a minimum of uh, ninety bucks a month to Bell. Yeah, and I'm like, why do I have to pay a fucking minimum? You know, and they're like, uh, you need it for like an iPhone and shit, and I'm like. Fuck you, Bell. Yeah, they're, they're assholes. You're making me depressed, Bell. Right? <laughs> yeah. L- lower, lower the yeah. bill. Yeah. So I can be happy. How many fucking retweets do I need, you know? Assholes. That's a good point about Bell. I yeah. don't know about that uh, DJ that they... Oh, they're an evil, um, evil corporation. They are an evil corp, right? For In terms of Canadian corporations, they're pretty evil. Well, they were they were a monopoly for so long. For a long, long time, yeah. For so long. And then when it got opened up, they struggled. They almost... They almost went under. Really? Yeah. They, when, when they they opened it up and everyone else, but then they they brought in a court injunction to say, well, we own all the wires and broadcasting dishes, so people have to pay us to use it. So even though there's the other companies, yeah. like Telus, Telus actually network. was a section of Bell that got sold off. Interesting. And the, and there is no Bell in BC. No, I know that in the West Coast, Telus is king. Yeah, uh, but I was that's, in Alberta that's because that everywhere. is that is Bell. So they've been they've been working their way east, but Alberta still has Bell, but it's it's not uh, it, it's in competition with Telus. So I, I'm with Telus for my cell phone. Yeah. I like them; they're all right. I was with Rogers for like fourteen years. I've heard the worst uh, things. Them and oh, Bell. Fuck I, Rogers. I, I was fuck I was, Rogers and anyone named Roger. <laughs> I uh, oh, the Jolly Rogers. I I was with Fido. Uh, when I first started going out on the road and like being on the East Coast, they were in Halifax and a little section of Cape Breton, and I had no coverage anywhere else. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were small back then, but they're getting bigger though. Yeah, out, right? yeah. yeah, they're under uh, Rogers umbrella, so you could go pretty much anywhere Rogers goes. Yeah, and and the thing is, there there's something that that a lot of people don't realize. Like, it's so much cheaper in the states. It's so much cheaper in English. England, everywhere else, it is cheaper except but it's for Canada. Population density, right? The, you one cell tower is going to be how many pe- million people? Land mass, right? And, and 
here it's like uh, sure we're, we we've got a good population density here. There's not a good population density up in Nunavut, but it, to be considered a national carrier, they've got to be represented in Nunavut. Right, so but you got to pay for for the, the the cell towers there. But if you're telling me that those cell towers that are already up have not been paid off already, well, you know what I mean? It's kind of like it's kind of like the the public well, uh, it, transit it, here in Montreal. It, yeah. They it, keep claiming they're going bankrupt. Is anybody doing the numbers for them? Because if they're going bankrupt with the cash that they're fucking rolling in, there's a problem. And they yeah. took off all those new uh, the new metro cars. Yeah, what was up with that? Because they fucked up. I don't know. They, something was fucked up. One of them uh, was it one one of the. One of the pads uh, was was damaged. They they found one of the cars broke down. They realized one of the pads were damaged. They checked all the other cars. All the other cars had some damage on it, and they were going to fail. And so they had to go through and they had to check where on the orange line uh, it was happening because it was also even the older ones were getting damage. Although it was something on the tracks. So yeah, there was something. I guess a joint or something expanded that that caused. So yeah, those of you not listening from Montreal, our, our subway. Was built in the sixties. Yeah, it's still yeah. impressive, right? Yeah, but it's yeah. all, it's it's all underground. Tires. I think we're the only we're the only city in the world with a completely underground uh, city metro uh, subway system. Yeah. City, uh, yeah. if you think about it, right downtown, we have an underground city. Yeah, they, well, they have that in Toronto too. Oh, really? Yeah, I've yeah. never been underground in Toronto. It's uh, pretty much you can go from like Bloor to yeah. uh, Union Station without going above ground. That's a lot the, of Asians. Yeah, a lot of Asians underground. Yeah, do you feel comfortable when you're there? You're like, hey, my people. No, because they're no. taking pictures. Yeah, of you. and I'm like, I like being the dominant Asian, you know, so I don't like sizing myself up <laughs> to the That's other ones. Hilarious. No, but there's oh man, Toronto, so many. I, I went to Brampton for a wedding. <laughs> so many brown people, really. But it's really like it's cool. It's cool. Like I love multi-ethnic cities. Is, it's, it's so it, much more comfortable. Is it bilingual street science in Brampton? Because I know Markham is English and Chinese. No, I, I, no it just seems that's, English. That's impressive. Yeah, English. Yeah, I didn't know there's entire. I didn't know that we're changing to Chinese signs. That I didn't fucking know. That's in, that's insane, right? Yeah, but you, but you see, that's crazy. In other parts of Canada, they're they're trying to conform to just how many people are there from a certain place in the world where right? Chinese, and here we have trouble with just English. It, they yeah. don't want to put up English signage. But, uh, I, I was in the, had this discussion with somebody yesterday. In, in on the East Coast, they have this thing, uh, uh, the Congrès Mondial Acadien. Are oh, the it, Acadians? It, yeah, it's 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 the World Congress of Acadians, and what they do is like every two years they have a party, uh, and they show how cool French culture is. There's a French university in Nova Scotia, right? It's not a bilingual province, but there's a French university. Uh, in Digby, and, and but what they do is they show, hey, we're French and it's cool. And I, I I know as an Anglophone in Montreal, you have that sort of like I'm being pounded down feeling, so you can't see French as being cool. Yeah. But what they do is they're so inclusive. They they they've actually Haiti is represented there, Algeria is represented there. They've got uh, they've got Cajun, which are basically Cajuns from Louisiana, are in there. They have like it's a huge cultural festival with all the foods from French places in the world. Uh, Vietnam is represented. And, and you get to hear all the dialects. You get to see all the culture. And you go there and you have a party and French is cool. And, and that does so much more for spreading and growing French culture than they're not being banning anyone else's yeah. culture will do. I've said, I've said that before too, that the problem here is that they're so aggressive with you, you just want to throw up the middle finger and be like, you know what, fuck you. Yeah. But if you're just inclusive and just people will be proud of it, they'll be like, yeah, let me, this is where I'm from. But people get defensive because like, wait, wait, calm down. Yeah. I didn't say I don't like French. Just calm the fuck down. Stop 
but it's just that knee jerk reaction, yeah. you know, like uh, right away. Yeah, you're gonna fuck with me. Okay, I'll fuck with you. The yeah. the same way white people uh, who were so mad at uh, uh, Sanders getting fucked over uh, by the DNC, they said, "Oh yeah, fuck that." Now I'm voting for Trump just to piss you guys off. And yeah. Look at the difference it made, right? Yeah. So uh, you well, well you they're push. happy now, right? Uh, I don't know if anybody's happy. <laughs> you know what? He's starting uh, Trump. It's funny because I, I, as much as I've been shitting on him, now I'm starting to shift focus because I realized something. I'm like, I'm mad at this guy and people are upset with him. And I it's not even him. It's the enablers around him. This guy doesn't know what the fuck's going on. It's all the people that he has around him that are supposed to be uh, experts that are telling him to do this shitty stuff and he's signing for it. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. He's like Those a seven-year-old man yeah. in his second week on a job. You know, Those are the people that we should be fucking mad at. Bannon is scary as hell. Yeah. Like, but And the thing is... and. Uh, Trump's biggest security thing is Pence because Pence has all the same views as Trump or Trump appears to have. No, no, no. But he's... Pence has extreme because Pence doesn't like um, uh, gays, whereas Trump, whereas Trump, Trump has Trump gone has... out and said he doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. He's even spoken for uh, gay rights and stuff. So I'm not saying he's a gay rights leader, but I don't think he gives a fuck, right? Pence whereas or, Pence uh, thinks yeah, if you Pence... electrocute gay people, they go straight. Like that's what yeah. he thinks. Yeah. Well, this the, the biggest one, like um, back in... July last year, they they came out with the the leak saying that Putin offered Trump uh, nineteen million dollars if he could get the uh, the sanctions dropped uh, against Russia. Uh, which you know, it's just like that seems like such a ridiculous thing. Uh, yeah. Except in December, uh, nineteen point five million dollars worth of the state owned oil company of uh, of Russia. Uh, got sold to a number account in the Cayman Islands. Really? Yeah. That's fucking interesting. Yeah. yeah. So that's about, you know, like the brokerage fees plus $19 million. That's fucking interesting. It doesn't seem like a lot of money though. But 19 million? You know what I'm saying? Well, but you know, you don't, but you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, to me and you, like 19 would be a lot, but for them it's like, yeah, you for know, them like it's, on a, like a, it's like Trump, a poker hand. Trump yeah. counts pennies. Yeah, Trump has been bankrupt so many times. Everyone yeah, but not real. A, but not real bankrupt. People yeah. keep bringing that up like he's broke. He's not real bankrupt. His yeah. fucking this guy knows what he's doing. His corporations yeah. will go bankrupt, right? Those things. he he tanks them. On he tanks purpose. them on purpose. Yeah, tanks yeah. Them on, yeah. And, and but you can't do that with a country. Do you know? <laughs> do you know what I watched uh, last week? I watched the uh, the Comedy Central roast of Trump. Okay. In two thousand and eleven, I haven't seen it in a while. Seth MacFarlane, it's fantastic. Um, but as far as they, them like shitting on him and predicting d- just how much they, everyone collectively was like, this is a big fucking joke and it's never going to happen. And if it happens, we're all fucked. Oh God. You know? So imagine that tension just being built for the last six years and then this to actually happen. Jesse Joyce. It's absolutely if you, amazing. If you get, Je- uh, see Jesse Joyce, uh, um, he toured after that with the jokes that uh, Trump rejected because Trump, Trump wanted to. He vetted all the jokes? Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. That's not which, a roast. Which you're not supposed to do for a roast. Yeah, yeah. and that's, that's why Jesse was pissed at it. So uh, he he has a list of jokes that were not allowed on the Trump roast, which are so fucking brutal yeah, yeah I'm sure. you know who's good for those uh, apparently one of the good writers Tony Hinchcliffe he writes for the oh, roast yeah? a lot yeah yeah and he's fucking brutal yeah he's I saw fun. him and uh, K-Trev in uh, roast battles oh yeah I remember that yeah yeah he's fun he's but K-Trev uh, K-Trev took yeah, care K- of him K-Trev ruined him but he, K-Trev I feel got robbed it, yeah. it was in the semis remember I saw yeah. that I was like fuck K-Trev won 
Yeah. It's it, not just because it was my really guy. close, though, those it, two, though. It was. It was. That was really good. Like, uh, but I would have liked to see those guys in the finals. Yeah, that would have been a good final. That would have been. Because who was the final against? Uh, was it the one where against the, uh, that chick that he went up against? He smoked her, no? Like the final was a non-contest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember it being like a little easy on his side. Yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. The, the, where this it was a contest where like the semifinals were the real finals. Yeah, thing. yeah, that's yeah. exactly what it was. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if you like the roast battles. I uh, I didn't catch them when they were in town. I, I've I've seen uh, a number online, and I, I do like them for the variety, uh, yeah. but it's not always my thing. Yeah, because yeah, sometimes you know they just so, it, it gets petty. Yeah. It gets petty, and after they're just like. You're right. fat and I'm a slut, you know. And this yeah, is like, yeah, I get it, but that's why it's you know, uh, it, clever is clever. Yeah, right. But it, uh, it's like you said. Sometimes it just comes down to, yeah, you're fat. Yeah, you're yeah. Fat. If there's no more material, it's like how am I gonna say this? Uh, you know, in a funnier yeah, way. A you're funny a whore. Way. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it's always like that. Yeah, so it gets petty. But but it's good. I heard um, who was it? Was it Brazil? Was talking about. Uh, how in New York they have these things called boast rattles. Boast rattles? Yeah, like people that, are that like talking cool. about... Complimenting each other. Yeah, they compliment oh, really? each other. And whoever yeah. has the best compliments wins. That's fucking hilarious. Yeah. You see, there's a lot of funny shit going on out there that we're not privy to. Yeah, yeah but yeah. that's it. It's just out there, you know? Like, yeah. But the world's so much smaller than it was before, so it's easier. You know, everything's a bit more tangible than it used to be. I feel like this city's not ready for roast battles. There's not enough of us in English comedy to make it fun and competitive. Yeah. And most, like, think about all the open micers that you know that would be so happy to be on anything and they'll jump on that and just get destroyed. Yeah. But it's also like... I I sort of would like to see George Braithwaite take people on. (laughs) He's funny. He's clever. Yeah, Yeah. he'd have a very good time. He's quick. He's quick and he's smart and he's... Yeah, he would have a good time. He deserves so much more than he has right now, like, stage-wise. Is he he actively still uh, doing comedy or... Well, he's got... Two shows happening now. Oh, okay, so he's doing his thing. Yeah, but yeah but again, it depends. This is this is what I was asking you for because I, I realize with everybody it's different. It depends what your goal is, right? Because a lot of people think, yeah. "Oh, this guy is not where he should be." But then when you go talk to that person, like, "No, this is what I want out of this." Yeah, right? exactly. I don't have the same dream as you. Yeah, you know, we, we I see that a lot. Like me, I'm like, "Oh, maybe he. You know, I feel he should be more here. He should do this." And I'll talk to people and I'm like, "No, this is exactly what I want to do." Uh, I'm not in this for that reason. I'm not in this for that reason. Yeah. And uh, I like that level of understanding, realizing like, oh, that's interesting. It's the simpler part. Yeah, the know, simpler like, part. Because we always, you know, sometimes you overshoot what your goal is. Yeah. That's why I like what you said because it, it's very much like that. I, I like doing it kind of like what you said is just taking the steps. Okay, I need to get there. I get there. I get to point B. All right. I'm settled in point B, C. And I, then I go D and instead of being like, okay, I got to get to the final. You know, I got to get to Z yeah. and that's it's, where I got to that, be. That's how you get discouraged very quickly. Yeah. Because you f- you fucking fail, you fall a lot in comedy. Yeah. yeah. But it's, Trust it's, me, it's I about, think I, that's my history, isn't it? <laughs> it's about just getting back up, man. You know? Yeah. Getting back up. I, I was in a pilot for CBC that got picked up and then dropped the week that we were supposed to start recording. Oh, yeah? Yeah. How come? Uh, Do they ever tell you why? Well, the, the, the thing was, it was, uh, we were... We were announced in end of July. We were announced for the the new season coming up. I got a copy of the script uh, uh, for the, the 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 first episode. Uh, passed the pilot, and uh, and then the the list came out in mid August, and uh, we were dropped from it. And there was another show in, which was it was a 
bit of a politics thing, I think. It was the second season of Friday Night with Ralph Bemergi, which like the first season was panned by critics. Uh, but it got filmed in Toronto, whereas we were going to be filming in Nova Scotia. Okay. Right? So So what you're saying is, fuck Nova Scotia. Well, <laughs> oh, man, I can tell you stories. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, uh, but it's fucked up. It's just that, that missed opportunity, or rather you have the opportunity and then just... Pilot was directed by Ted Kutcheff. That's the guy that did Weekend at Bernie's. Oh, really? Yeah. The, 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 it, was the, it was a vehicle for... I was really young at the time. Vehicle for uh, um, uh, Louis Del Grande, who you probably don't know, but it was like the, the uh, it was like at the time it was like the only successful CBC sitcom ever was this thing called Seeing Things. It was about a reporter who could touch objects and oh, yeah, see yeah, their I past. Yeah, yeah, and he uh, Where grabs a dick. <laughs> Imagine the things he'd see. Yeah, yeah. So he he basically was a it was a psychic comedy. Uh yeah, which there's so many shows like that now. Yeah, but there's here, that newspaper one where the guy gets delivered the newspaper of the news like the next day. That's pretty funny. Yeah, man, well, uh, the lotto. I just switched the lotto page. <laughs> Get the numbers. Actually, that's that's what yeah. that's it. That's the story the, ends there. <laughs> one yeah. episode done. Yeah, done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if it was coming to Montreal, <laughs> but when they when they have your pilot, and it's on the list, right? So they they pretty much greenlit it in the beginning, right? Yeah, uh, and then they drop it. Is it dropped forever, or do they keep it kind of the option the, for the, the, the pilot next aired, season? The pilot aired a couple more times. Okay. Uh, but because uh, it was good. It was funny. And, I mean, I lucked into it because I, I went on as an extra and got bumped up uh, through the shooting of the pilot. To a speaking role. Uh, yeah. And, and the the thing is, it was they, they cast it in Toronto, and then when it was to film, the week it was to film, the, the guy who got cast as... as Louis Del Grande's son uh, asked for more money because he says I I can't go out to Nova Scotia for that long. How long would it have been? Uh, well, it was three months. I, it was no, it was two weeks for principal photography. God, I, come I on, know. So, but Pussy. but yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was that was the thing, and and so the, basically they just said, okay, well we'll we'll remove the character uh, from the pilot, and um, ouch. Yeah, and then I what a fucking clown! I ended up uh, the camera liked me, I guess, and I, I got bumped up and bumped up. And you took his spot. I, I was I was playing a, a different character, and then when I got the script, it was to be his son. Oh, so Louis Del Grande is Italian, but his wife is Irish, and his wife was actually playing his wife in the in the show. That's actually funny. Yeah, yeah I like that. I like hearing shit like that. Uh, yeah. But fuck, they, they just didn't didn't go. Like it was right there, and then they didn't. That would have changed the whole course. It would have changed your trajectory. Yeah, I would have. Like, I mean, I grew up with a blue collar family. I loved acting and whatnot. But when it came time to like, what do you want to study in school? Well, okay, acting's not a job. Uh, that's what everybody says. Yeah, but then everyone does it in all their jobs. <laughs> yeah, that, oh, that's fucking amazing. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I should have should have thought about that. But I'm <laughs> I'm actually uh, I I got a, a an accounting diploma. That's what I got. And, and and all that has taught me is like math is easy, but I fucking hate it. Yeah. <laughs> you, you do you like accounting? You ever you ever got into it and did some accounting? I well I did because that was like my job for a number yeah. of years. I, I, did I, you like it? Uh, never liked it. It was just easy. Like as no. you remembered, like two is the number that follows one. You've got the rest of math down. Like that's that's how simple math and accounting. You're not like there might be percentages, but there's no. You're not doing cosines and it's no, yeah, no serious math. There's no in there. science involved, right? Yeah. 
right? Math isn't a science. <laughs> Ma- no, I mean like there's no, like, there's no oxygen levels. Yeah, yeah, of, yeah. There's no chemistry. You know that shit. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it, it, it's it's it was so simple. It bored me. And uh, the first job I had out of school was doing the accounts for like a chain of comic book stores. And then I was managing one of the stores and still doing the books for all of them. And then I quit that and I worked at a hotel as an audit. And then I bounced around doing everything in a in a hotel. That was after you had started comedy. That was well. That was that was during the period where there was no comedy to be had. Okay. Oh, like that, I, yeah, that, yeah. I had started comedy and then it died. Okay. How long? How long did you take a hiatus for? <sighs> well, okay. Uh, say I went on stage around 1990 uh, and I moved to Toronto in '97. Okay. And so I may have had like two or three years. Like the first year I did comedy, I did 60 shows. Okay. And then the following year, I did three. Oh, fuck. That's a big drop. Big drop, yeah. Yeah. So I got enough to get addicted and not really enough to figure out what I was doing. And uh, then I moved to Toronto and uh, I started hitting the stages. And yeah. Okay. We got to set up a road trip, go to Toronto. I want to try out some of the rooms. Yeah. I hear good down. things. Yeah, I've, I always get stuck just doing Absolute uh, for the last couple of years when I'd go to Toronto. So they'd normally have me like on a, a week run. But before that, I used to go there and you'd fill up like 16 shows in a week. Yeah. You know, some of them are in great, great venues and some of them... You're performing for other comics. Yeah, you're performing yeah, for other comics where there's like shitty food being served and like yeah. you're standing in like the entrance way of a bar. Oh god! Yeah. But it's it's comedy, you know. Mm. And being from another city, I find it's always more fun. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. you're you're having an adventure. Yeah, whereas yeah. they have to deal with it's it every a vacation. Day. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. we're you know for the most part we're doing it for the stories. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not like we're doing this because that's that's the sense of satisfaction, the, the pinnacle of our career. Yeah, is exactly. That bar. Like, oh yeah, thanks, mom. My mom can see me now. You know, like that stuff. Like, I did a I did a fundraiser yesterday. With uh, Derek Sagan uh, and Franco Tadeo, and it was the first time we did a fundraiser was for a Greek school, and Franco po- booked me because I'm Greek, right? And I I do all of his fundraisers normally, and uh, a lot of people from the community were like, "Oh fuck, Pantelis, you know this guy's doing comedy." And my buddy called me; he was laughing. He goes, "Dude, my father saw a poster with your face on it, and he told me, hey, uh, Pantelis, he's doing well in comedy." And he turned around and told him, really? Because he's doing a fundraiser for the school. That's when you think he's doing well. You realize how much he's actually doing in comedy, like where he, like, you know, to actually progress a comedian. This is not what the pinnacle is. But for him, because he's like, wow, he's doing the fundraiser. He's yeah, he's big time. People are paying money yeah. to go and see you. But it means something. It does you know? mean something. But I mean, compared to that, like, uh, I mean... We have fragile egos, Pantelis. Yeah. You're supposed to take these opportunities. No, I just found it weird like, that that's <laughs> what he thought was the pinnacle, but none of the like none yeah. of the LA gigs, like how well the podcast, none of that is, is success. But because I'm doing the fundraiser, I You made see it. the poster above like the kiddies washer room. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, oh this guy <laughs> made it. <laughs> I, Your I, friend's dad holding his dick, like <laughs> trying to kneel down. Oh man. My 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 high school ten year anniversary. Uh it, this kind of blew me away because I was not I like I had like one serious girlfriend in high school that was it. Uh, Ten year anniversary, I I couldn't attend because I was working at Just for Laughs, but I was working behind the scenes. And uh, so one of my best friends, uh, a woman, uh, was there uh, at it, and she called me. 
She said, what? I said, when did you sleep with so-and-so? When did you sleep with Michelle? I said, what? I, you kidding? I had a crush on her. She was gorgeous. I was, oh, so you didn't cheat on her with Tina? I said, no, what? I Wow. Uh, no. She said, well, all these people have heard that you're up at Just for Laughs. And so oh, these, starting rumors? <laughs> so they're, they're all talking about when they were dating, oh, <laughs> dating you. God. I was like... It that's was so like funny. that's such a you know a small town mentality. That's I was successful. They didn't know what the fuck I was doing at just for laughs. But they heard that they're like, yeah. "Yo, successful! I banged him." Yeah, they yeah. all want to claim it. Yeah, yeah. claim that dick. Yeah. <laughs> they just touch it, and after all the memories, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they remember the good old days. Yeah, I mean, I used to drink in high school, but I'm pretty sure I would have remembered banging your crush, especially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's some. You don't forget that shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you get a chance, normally your crush is the one you can't bang. Yeah. All right. Other than when you bang them, you're like, ah, okay, that no, wasn't no, as good yeah. as I thought. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> never as good as the never, anticipation, yeah. right? You're always better, yeah. You're always better not than you are, actually, if that makes any sense. All right. How do you guys <laughs> feel? I feel like we got a good uh, good podcast in. It's yeah. fucking yeah. two hours. I, I wanted to show you these, though. What are these? These are these, This is what I get handed uh, for the, the love, love doctor. Dear love doctor, are Asian vaginas differently shaped, sized than the rest of women? What? Yeah. So they ask you this, and then you get on stage. Uh, I well, the thing is, I get those, and I get I I see them mainly for the first time. I might get to see uh, a couple of them before I, I start, but uh, I I have to read these on stage and then come up with answers. I got a, I got a good one here. I don't know if you know the answer. How many liters of semen can be pumped inside a young college frat boy's ass? As, as many as he's willing to take. How do I get my girlfriend to tell me what age oh. she really is? <laughs> <laughs> Don't wait for the police to show up. What if I'm a sex worker and my best friend who calls himself a feminist is slut shaming me for doing what I want with my body? These are they're not all these are not yeah. all about love. No, it's I love, have, sex and relationships. That, guy, that's do, what people are asked to write about. Do you think what do you think the love is cough for a couple work? No, awesome. okay. Some of them aren't. Yeah. yeah my some, some my are GF to wants to put her finger in my asshole. Would that make me gay? The fact that you have a girlfriend, probably not. Yeah. How do we pick mm. up a girl for a threesome? Yeah. See, these are like that's what the love doctor gets, and, and this it, is it's funny. just yeah. Some of them are awesome. What's sorry? That one has writing on the back. Some of them have artwork on them. Oh, fuck. what do you do when you are having sex withdrawals? Yeah. Look at this one. I love the person who wrote this. Is the love is a real feeling or it's only survivor instinct? Who, who, what, what refugee wrote this? I don't understand. Like they've been through some shit, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's a real feeling or it's only survivor instinct. It's, yeah, well, it's, the show is kind of bilingual, so we, we get... Yeah, I, I see some French ones here. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Nicki Minaj's booty? What are they? Uh, she seems to be damn happy with it, and that's that's really what's important. People keep talking about whether it's fake or is not. Is she, though? Is I don't she, know. I don't know if she's happy. I don't know if she's happy. She seems, unha- she seems angry all the time. Because she was really good. When she first came out and she was on that Kanye West, like, a monster song, I was like, this girl's incredible. And then she had like a really bad Grammy uh, yeah. during the Grammy. She had a really bad performance. 
And I feel like she's just been like lingering around since then. In a rut. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel you. But you know, like you were saying, it's that that sophomore album. You know, that second that second it's album hard. that comes out there. Yeah, because they they push Addy like, no, 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 we need another one. We need another one. And like, well, the other one took a while to cook. You know, yeah, exactly. This one. Yeah. Yeah, it's like Chappelle, you know, Chappelle, uh, his third season of uh, the Chappelle show, like... Uh, he wasn't happy with the material. First two seasons was his life work. Like, he, third, usually third album is, is you, for a band. That's that's the that's when you get the identity of the band, right? And same thing, if a comedian gets a third album out, then you have a better judge of them as a, as a comic. Well, yeah, I, you know what yo, the man, yeah, of, uh, I, what's What's your favorite comedy album? I'm just going to prolong this for a little bit. Hmm. All right, that's taking too long, Paul. Ever, ever, or like well, well, the thing is, I know tastes change. I know I have one, and it was it, it was sort of heartbreaking because I met the guy, and he's one of the few assholes. Fuck. Okay, but uh, I it's hard to pick a favorite, but uh, you people are all the same by Bill Burr. Still love it. Still love it. You can listen to it over and over again. Yeah, I, I watch it actually often. Yeah. Ha- like I'm always like you'll put it in the background. Yeah, you'll put it in the back. You'll do other stuff, and then he'll say something. I'll laugh. Be like, ah, fucking Bill Burr. I li- killing killing him softly. Uh, Chappelle, Chappelle. Yeah, that was for good. a long time. Like I could still listen to that, and it'll still make me laugh. Like it's the first time I ever heard it. For uh, for the longest time, for me, it was Motormouth by Ben Elton. He's a British comic. Uh, he's known mainly as a writer. He wrote Black Adder from season two on. Okay. Uh, he he wrote the Young Ones uh, that sitcom. He does a lot of West End plays now. But uh, Motormouth is recorded in this noisy pub, and there's only one edit, and that's where you had to flip the vinyl over. Uh, and there's at one point these soccer hooligans come in singing "Ole Ole," and he uh, engages them, oh, and gets them to shut down, and then continues with the show, and it's on the album. That's interesting. It, yeah, it, it's, that makes it's, it more exciting. It's really yeah. it's 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 raw. It's exciting. He also had like a, a an underlying political message. But is it funny? It's funny as hell. That's what's important to me, right? That's if the line. jokes can still yeah, yeah, yeah. Make it still laugh. holds up today. Like some yeah. a lot of like uh, what did I listen to recently? I listened to George Carlin's last last uh performance and he was like 70 it doesn't hold up I, i've seen the, the latest ones of, of uh, and i saw the decline uh, i felt like it, really it, yeah. I, I feel like it still holds up like when he's talking about uh going through his like uh notebook uh, his uh his like contact book and he has to like delete all of his dead friends and he's like how long he's getting yeah but what i found is that not, not that i have a problem with it i like the fact that it got political but i feel like if you look at the last ones he was doing less and less stand-up and more performing uh, like a speech, right? Like a one-man show. Yeah. The difference. Like Colin Quinn, for example, he has uh, two one-man shows on Netflix. Both fucking awesome. Awesome, awesome. But they don't really fall into what it used to be, like how his, you know what I mean? Just the material, the way it's written. It is more like a theater performance, like a, a one-man show, um, not a stand-up set. You know what I mean? Not that there's a problem with it. It's not. I'm just saying it's not the same thing because I loved it. It's I, that I, raw experience that you're looking for. But that's you as a comic, like looking looking at it and like yeah. breaking it apart instead yeah. of being but the observer. That, like who, I said, I loved Like if you look at uh, Colin Quinn's New York story that he mm-hmm. came out with recently a few months ago, it's fucking fabulous. I can't do that. It's not like he's doing something beneath me. I can't do that. He, he did it amazingly. It's just it's not a stand-up set. Yeah. But it's definitely an amazing performance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you guys check out Neil Brennan's three mics. I did no. see that. I did see that. I saw it with my girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. 
Uh, I like that too. I like what he did with 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 each mic. You know how his different feelings. Then when he talked about his life and the depression, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, I liked that. I thought it was uh, there was a lot to it, but it was different. It's not something that I could listen to again. Yeah, it felt a bit gimmicky to me because of the three mics. I, yeah. Um, well, people I, are trying. I, I, the the stand up was great. The the addressing the the heartfelt stuff. That's what I think. That's what I think it was stuck out for me. Not because it was amazing, but it was because it was different. He actually did it during a stand up. Uh, set right, so he would take breaks. He would like be doing stand up, doing jokes, then going and talking. So I kind of like that, but it's not something that I could listen to again. Yeah, I, I think yeah. he he could like made the, he could have made those right? funny. There, he made a couple cracks during that, and he's a smart enough writer that he could have very good. Writer. He could have pulled jokes out of the, those feelings. Yeah, but I, I don't think he wanted to. I think yeah. he wanted to leave him there for that. And uh, like I said, a, a great, uh, insane writer. Uh, but it's not something I could with replay value for me. For me, yeah. Whereas the Bill Burr stuff for me still holds up. But did you uh, watch his latest special? I did. I did. Yeah. What did uh, you think? As soon of it? as it came out, uh, I'll, I'll tell you. Uh, did you Did you watch it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, in I don't know if you've seen it yet, Paul Ash. I haven't. You should check it out. Um, there's a lot of times where he's not getting laughs. You notice that? Yeah. But do you know what I loved about it that I thought was impressive? His comfort level. He wasn't phased by it. He's not needy at all. Not needy. It was so interesting to watch him. And not because just because he's one of my favorites, but just watching him not give a fuck about, oh, oh, that didn't go the way I planned. And watching him panic, just like, yeah, I don't care. My, my Yeah, sorry. And then when he called it back, did you notice towards the end of, I, I don't want to ruin the jokes for, for Paul or anybody. I wanted to see it. But did you remember the Hitler thing and then the uh, the, the hypothetical oh, yeah, dog yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever? And he calls people out on their bullshit. What happened twenty minutes ago, and he calls them out on it. Oh, oh my, this is perfect. Because like sign. you're laughing now, and you weren't laughing. Yeah, then. yeah, like, you, so, yeah, yeah. You, you find uh, Hitler is more because uh, you, you you feel sorry for a fictional dog than you do for what Hitler did. You know what I mean? And the, the dog that you just met twenty you just seconds met twenty ago. seconds ago, and it was so smart. And it's like you see that that whole buildup of silence that the jokes weren't hitting. It seemed weren't hitting on paper. He fucking nailed it, right? It took so long for it to pay off, but when it yeah. paid off, it's like, yeah, he he outsmarted the whole fucking room. But that's it. like, I've seen him a bunch of times, and meeting him, he's one of the nicest people. As yeah, well. we you were, were you with me when uh, um, Ron Bennington did the unmasked at Just for Laughs? No, you weren't. Chris Dolger, I think, was there. I, I I went to see it. It was like just fifteen people in the audience with oh, Bill yeah. Burr. Yeah, he was doing his unmasked. Uh, super nice guy. Yeah, super nice guy. Yeah. I talked to him for like ten minutes at the at the works, and after Stephanie told her told him that I was a uh, like an up and coming comic, and he's like, "Why didn't you just tell me you were a comic when we first started talking?" He's like, "We would have had something to talk about immediately, you know." But I was like, "Too like, oh my god, I listen to your podcast every day, you know, like all that bullshit." It's but, hard separating that, right? The fan. Yeah, it's yeah. really hard. But the thing that I found interesting about that uh, his special was. The place that he decided to uh, record it. Nashville? Yeah, because they were really like, you know, he's talking about certain subjects and you could tell like everyone in the room was just like, ooh, yeah. don't talk about fat people. I'm a fat person. Yeah, no, he, <laughs> you know, the, I know the, fat people. And yeah. he's, he's like, why are they off limits? He goes, it's easy. It's it's, uh, it's a, something curable. It's like, eat an apple, take a fucking walk. <laughs> but that's him. He like, I, I love those Comics like the him, the Patrice O'Neills, the guys who they'll take a, a blanketed statement and just throw it out there to start off their joke and immediately divide the room 
because everyone has their opinion about it right away. Yeah. And then they use logic and timing to bring it all back together where everyone just has to clap. And even if you don't agree with his opinion on it, you have to admire the balls and the intelligence that it takes to throw something out He's there. He's something else. Yeah. Did you like it? The last special? Not as much as his other ones. True. But I love the fact that he just goes for it. And it makes me feel that because there were times where he wasn't getting laughs, that I am a human being doing stand-up comedy the same way that he's a human being doing stand-up comedy. So it's just, it, it was great to see. You yeah. Know? It was, uh, should check it out, Paul. <laughs> I will, I will. <laughs> but I love stuff like that. Like, Yeah, it, w- it was something different. I enjoyed it too. It shocked me a bit when it, those moments of silence, uh, that they, just a joke, it seemed like they weren't hitting. Uh, it shocked me. I was like, what the fuck's going on here, right? It's, but it just happens like that. Like yeah. when I went to go see, I, see, I saw Emo Phillips at the, at the, at the Nest. And there were certain times where he would tell these brilliant one-liners and no one in the room would even react at all. Yet at the end of the show, they're all like, oh, this is one of the best shows you've ever been to. And I'm like, where the fuck were you that whole show? Some people, I've noticed some audiences don't react. They don't, uh, they're, they're not as um, extroverted with the reactions. Whereas when you see them after the show, you're like, fuck, these people hated me. And like, that was great. I love this joke. I love that joke. Well, yeah. Why didn't you react? It's just where they're... Qu- I, I, my my brother, uh, he's in the world of uh, like uh, amateur and professional wrestling. Okay. So one of the things that they call uh, those audiences, they call them like a Japanese audience. Oh, it's true. The Japanese do it's that. It's where yeah. they're watching and they're very polite and they, they're not going to say anything or interrupt the whole time. But then when it's time to applaud, they're going to applaud and they're going to be like, we enjoyed that thoroughly. But at the time, you feel like it's, it's going, going well. horribly, you know, and you're like questioning all your life choices in those instances. I've had crowds like that at the Nest where I have no idea what's going on because it's like a, a Friday night late show, let's say, and the early show went well and and the late show, something's not, like I feel like it's not working, right? And then when I when I hit that last joke and then, you know, then they, they start clapping, they're having a fun time and, and I go back and I go, did they like it? Like, oh, the jokes were hitting. I was like, but they were kind of quiet and then they come to you after yeah. and like, that was fucking, and they start repeating jokes you said. And like, why weren't you, where were you? Yeah, and, but it's so confusing when you're on stage, you don't know how to deal they, with it. Well, they, they, they think, they nod and they think you can see that. Yeah, they, they, yeah. It's, it's, it's also like the Friday Night Late Show crowd, it's, it's, People at work, they they're came tired. home, they ate, yeah. they had a nap, and now you know they're they're getting their pre-drink before going to an after hours. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. It, it's it's the start of their night. It's 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 a different beast. It's also hosts can make a huge difference to a huge, show. Huge, huge. Yeah. Like, I noticed that with burlesque. Burlesque, the audience has to be loud, yeah. and that's something you have to educate them with, right? And that's the same thing with. Uh, like with stand up, like sometimes people are have only seen stand up on TV on Netflix. They don't know that they're not just supposed to sit there. That they're allowed to laugh out loud. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's why comics, you know, like I feel at least in the last couple of years, I've realized uh, how I have to switch gears a mm-hmm. lot of times. Like, and if I'm switching gears within a show, that's something that I learned to be comfortable with. Because you have to at a certain point. I was doing a show, um, the Sunday Fun Day at the Nest uh, last week, and uh, I went up second, and there were just a quiet crowd, and I fucked up one of the punchlines in one of my jokes, so I'm just laughing at myself because I fucked it up. 
And then I realized, like, no, like, fuck these people in the audience for sitting here, like, on their hands. <laughs> so I was like, yo, fuck you guys. I'm like, there's a great comedy show happening right now that you paid $15 for, and you have an amazing headliner and all these amazing acts coming up. And I just went through the room. I was like, your arms are crossed. Your arms are crossed. Fuck that shirt. You're on your phone. And then after I just, I think I just scared everyone. in so the you, woke, you, you woke them up. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah, kind of like a punch room. to the gut. It's it's um, like when I'm I'm looking at somebody hosting and they go up and they do nothing but material. Yeah, like uh, a host job is to take a group of individuals and make them an audience, mm-hmm. right? And, and you you there's a number of people that that think that oh uh, this is my my chance to do all my jokes between all the acts. That's not hosting. Yeah, hosting is a selfless act. Yeah, yeah, and hosting is difficult. It's like I was telling you last time when when Acker had made me host for, yeah. for this week because it was out of the blue. I'm like, I'm not a host. I because I'm not a host. Uh, but David wanted to see it. He says, No, I believe you can. You know, just do this, do that. And it, it was funny being up there. It was uncomfortable. But then I started to ease into it. I started to realize what's going on. I would talk to a few more, few more yeah. people. Uh, I realized what it's like to have jokes in your back pocket. And then if so, if if they say something that really relates to one of your jokes, it could go in naturally. Everybody gets on board like, oh, fuck, that's perfect timing. For, you know what I mean? Yeah. But right. uh, I'm, I have, I'm, not a ho- I'm still not a host. You, you ha- To be a host, it's just like to be a stand-up comedian, right? Like I could put in my set somewhere. You could put me anywhere in the line. You could make me open, middle, what, and, and I'll do well. I, I know what I have to do. As a host, that takes experience, man. That's yeah. a whole different fucking beast. In, in, in the States, the, depending on where you are in the States, in the southern states more, the northern states have been influenced by Canadian Canada. Like in Canada, yuck, yucks, as whatever you want to say about yuck, yucks, yuck, yucks, sort of created the comedy scene and the methodology that's used here in Canada. And that's bled into the States somewhat. But for yuck, yucks, you started as an opener. You had to be a middle, a successful middle before they would let you host. Uh, right? In, 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 the, in the States, like in New York and Chicago, like in the old days, if uh, you were the guy with the least experience, you hosted. That doesn't make any sense because yeah, well, you I, control the show. Exactly. Well, I went I went down to like Tucson and Phoenix to do, go and do stand-up. And they were just throwing on the, the least experienced comic to open the show and to be the host. And they would just do zero crowd work and zero um, – they would just tell their jokes like flat out. Yeah, barely even like a an introduction, like "Hey everyone, welcome to blah blah blah." So it's just straight up stand up, and then they bring up the first act. So I remember it was me and Jeff Shuella. So he goes up, and he's like, "Oh, I'll, I'll host," and then he started hosting it like Canadian style, like a real host. Yeah, yeah. And then all the comics in the back are like, "What the fuck is this guy doing?" <laughs> and after I'm like, "No, he knows." I'm like, "He knows. He knows what he's doing." Like. So then it's just through that, like, two minutes of crowd work, people in the audience were paying attention, whereas the early show, they were not paying attention. So I don't know if it's supposed to catch on. I don't know if it will. When Like, it's all different everywhere. When I went to the Philippines, you had to remember the next act's name so that it's at the end of your set, you bring them up. You bring them up. The yeah. gauntlet shows, they do that at, at uh, they do that in L.A., Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, but it, but basically that's that's to kill that that's to get rid of time. Like you you get rid of the host, you get rid of a guy who's going to be doing a joke or line, you know, an extra guy walking to the stage. Because in L.A., it's all about getting the show over yeah. with so you can get There's the a next lot crowd of shows in. That's like three minute sets. Yeah. It's the only place I've ever done a three minute set was uh, in October. Uh, bro, fuck, 
what was it, Santa Monica Comedy Theater or some shit like that. Uh, one of my comedian friends she had told me about it, Hannah Dickinson. So I went down there and it was I like it's a three minute set. Like I've never done a three minute set. Five is what the smallest I've done, right? The yeah. shortest. So was, and you have no extra time. Three minutes, time is up, right? Yeah. So I had to adapt. I said, well, what was it? Two jokes, and then I was trying to get a third one. The guy is like, nope, you're off fucking stage. Uh, it was just so weird. I had fun with it. it. The jokes that I got off were jokes that I knew we were gonna hit just in case. But it was so strange. Like, how do you rush people like this? Like, yeah. It's fucking three minutes, man. On and off. Yeah, yeah it's like but fast food. Yeah. Yeah. Seven minutes teach, there. Teach you to set. edit. Yeah, teaches you to edit. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of fat in your jokes you got to get rid of. And for them, seven is long. Like, who's going to give you a seven-minute spot? Yeah. Right? But it's all TV spots, too, right? It's all right? TV it's spots. like a three-minute spot. That you're trying to just fill up that three minutes, and you really need to be like bang, 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 yeah. every like 10, 15, 20 seconds. Exactly. You yeah. really need the payoff. And I like stories. I say a lot of stories, so it's hard. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. But, you know, like, that. that's why there's a two schools of comedy, like people who are addicted to the punch or do you tell a long story that like has all these little things yeah. in it and then this big like that's big what, payoff that's what know. I like I like the development and then re, you know there's some stuff that are shorter maybe they're like 30 seconds 10 seconds right but I like the minute minute and a half that you're laughing in between small laughs and at the end you're like oh that motherfucker he got us yeah like, I like that I like yeah. that I, I, I sort of like to because I'm a storyteller but I tried to challenge myself to write Short tweets up. oh yeah right and now there's a couple tweets that I stick in my act because they're that good they're, they're 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 cut there's no fat on them you just have what you need yeah yeah Perfect that's all you, that's all you need you know like that's why it's the uh, lean joke yeah. yeah oh man you you watch uh, it was emo phillips who i was like this fucking guy like no fat on any of the jokes and all the rest of it he's just standing there looking all awkward you know yeah. like in between he took a full jacket and stuffed it into his pocket that's interesting. Like a pea coat, like <laughs> a full jacket, and he took ten minutes to remove it while, while, telling, while jokes. telling jokes. And then and it was it was like it was nothing. No one. It, he didn't draw attention to it. It's just he stuck it in his pocket, told another joke, then he pushed it a little bit more in, and he took the whole jacket and tucked it into his pants, and then no one acknowledged it at the show that I was at, and I was like. How I wanted you, to run around the room and like throw glasses of water in everybody's face. What night were you there? I was there Thursday. I was there the Friday. Okay, Thursday. Friday early. Thursday went Thursday well. Thursday there was. Yeah, it, I actually I felt like he was jet lagged a little bit because yeah. he seemed a little bit more scattered than normal, but it was still pretty fantastic. And on top of that, Joey was hosting. Okay, yeah, David yeah. was doing the middle. Fuck. Uh, yeah. It was powerhouse. It, it yeah. was a powerhouse show, and uh, the table of people I was with, we were. We were laughing uh, at, at most everything, but not everyone was. But that uh, also at the end of the night, it ended up being uh, uh, like a comedy jukebox. There was people yelling out requests. Okay, yeah. Uh, it, it was yeah. Well, that's where you hit that like like fifty year mark. You know? Yeah. Can you picture yourself doing this in like fifty years? Fuck, I don't know. Yeah, it's crazy, right? It really puts it into perspective. Be in fifty years, in fifty years, I'm going to be eighty years old. Yeah, and do you picture yourself still doing stand up, wanting to get on the road, well, doing the Pantelis podcast? Maybe I like the podcast. Because <laughs> uh, I'd love to still be doing stand up, but you don't know what's going to happen between now and then. Let's see what yeah. happens. Let's see what happens short term, right? We have the yeah, we same have thing. the Trump. We have yeah, we have. Uh, let's see if we survive Trump's presidency, and also in terms of comedy, we have the showcases, the Just for Laugh showcases coming up this month. Yeah, right. You're on that. Yeah, I'm uh, Sunday at the Nets. Me too. We're on the same one. Yeah. Paul? I got Battlecom that night. 
Same. Where are you doing Battlecom now? Battlecom at the the works. At the oh, works. the works oh, is awesome. doing their showcase on another night. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They never do them the same night, so they so they scatter them a bit. Uh, which sucks because I booked that one before they announced the showcase was the twelfth. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I always I always used to even when I wasn't on the showcases, I would go out to sport. Yeah. 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 Hope uh, it goes well, but uh, you know, fingers crossed. Let's have fun with it. Yeah, I'm also there uh, all weekend too. Oh, really? Who's there that weekend? Uh, I'm uh, Samuel Comro. Ooh, this guy from Conan. Yeah, did Conan yeah. I recently. think I opened for him once uh, here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm there with him uh, a weekend. Then the next week, I'm with. Uh, we're we're doing the the show at the Wiggle Room. Yeah, I'm on that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that the Underground or yeah? Underground yeah. Railroad. What's the Colors one? So that's what it is. It's, oh, am I on that? Yes, yeah, Underground. Oh, that's uh, I don't even know what I'm on. Uh, yeah. What does it say? The Colors of Comedy? Yeah. Oh, I forgot to tell Rodney I had a joke about that. I want to say, hey, you misspelled coloreds. <laughs> but, uh, and I, I, <laughs> that ends the podcast. Yeah, we were together in the fucking car yesterday. We are talking about other shit. I forgot to mention that uh, one. <laughs> I had a fuck. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, I was going to put it on Facebook, but then I realized that people in that thread might not know me because it was all like his fans or whatever. Mm. So I'd be like, oh, this guy, <laughs> they might think it's just <laughs> me being racist. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Look, they got Trump represented. Yeah, exactly. I was like, ah, I don't want to get to an internet fight because that's, that's what funny. happens. I post something and it's going to turn into a fight. Yeah. Well, people don't know. Your intent. That's what's important. We're very sensitive people. Yeah. All right. I think this was good, man. This was a good fucking show. Yeah. It was long. It was good. People are going to have something to listen to. All right. Thank yeah. you guys for coming on. Awesome. Thanks for having me. You on. have anything to Thanks plug, you guys? Uh, Battlecom and Waterville. Battlecom February twelfth. Comedy Works uh, and uh, you. The Comedy Nest, and then uh, this this weekend and the showcase on Sunday. And February twelfth, and I'm there February twelfth too. Uh, I don't know who else is on. Oh, Jeff Schwill is on that night too. On the twelfth. Yeah. Yeah. Oh fuck, it's gonna be fun. That showcase is gonna be good. And yeah. then uh, the Works. I'm doing. Uh, I'm seeing at the Works for. Hunter Collins actually nice. is headlining. Hunter Collins is one of my favorite. He was the one of those guys. You should come to meet a good uh, Toronto guy. Wait, am I at the works on Monday? Shit, <laughs> Pantelis. Okay, I'll, I'll check. I think I'm, I'm at some point at the works. I don't know. Um, somebody messaged me for that. But yeah, thank you for listening. Good stuff. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.